0: If I start murdering people clipping on the left. And when I get nervous, I walk. And usually I speak too quickly. So if you don't understand anything, just keep it to yourself and pretend you did. I'd be very, very careful who I you mean, talk to you about
1: that because the person who wrote that is dangerous.
0: Sometimes when I see people um, who have earn some notoriety based on their capabilities and their life experiences, and I see other people maybe trying to improve their own um, presence or weight in the world by piggybacking on the thing that the other person... It, it really makes me sick. <laughs> um, like, uh, I and there, that's was that vague enough? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to come
2: up with like a like a grandiose lesson out of like in the past when I've seen this, but you're like, no, it's actually what I realized. Uh, it just makes it's toxic behavior. Yeah, and I just identify it as toxic behavior, but I think it's common. Um, it's so st-
0: yeah.
2: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Craighead, welcome to the
0: non-profit podcast. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> thank you Thanks, for coming all you, the way up. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, this, is, this has been a little bit coming. I like, I I just, I feel like, you know, having met the first time and then sort of walked through the little um, presentation that you had made. Uh, there's the there's news story and then there's... Like as we were just talking about, people want to see the the outcome, and they can't be bothered to d- dig into what allows a person to um behave in that way that solves a really big problem that no one else apparently in the moment could could. <laughs> Solve. (laughs) I I guess, uh, like, maybe one of the best places to start.
2: I don't want to do this like interview style, but just so people kind of have a a grasp of your background in your career. Maybe just like some of the things that um, motivations, stuff like that, that got you into your line of work. Yeah. Well, how I should start was
1: the um, first thing that that we already know I'm Christine Craighead and I have no agenda on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And about eight months ago, I was um, invited to come to a non-profit to to work out. As soon as I came to this location, I sort of really it really struck a chord with me, and I and connected with everyone who was in the gym, everyone uh, everyone here. And and then from from that, um, I learned more about the gym, more about its origins, and the, and the people here. And again, and nothing really changed. That my opinion is like I'm still. Uh, um, really privileged to know the these people and and um, as I'm about to leave Salt Lake City, uh, I wanted to get this podcast done. So, like I said at the very start, there's no um, agenda to this. We're just we're just three guys talking. Exactly. Um, so my background is I'm from Northeast England. Um, I'm, I was born in 1975, grew up working class, and um, and then joined the British Army at 16 years old. When I served in the uh, the Parachute Regiment, um, for the for everyone listening, that's the equivalent of say uh, Ranger Battalion. Served with the um, Pathfinder Platoon, which is like MARSOC, and then with Twenty um, Second Special Air Service Regiment, which is our Tier One Special Forces unit, similar to the ones you all know about.
2: How? Um, just quickly, sixteen. Yeah, You joined that the military. Seems when you unusual.
0: Were, A little. Somebody had to sign off. Because I mean, here I think normally it's seventeen. I think it's eighteen, but no. I, okay. but you know, I think you can get seventeen here if yeah. if you ask the right
2: people. Sixteen to me seems extraordinary. This might this is culturally just a a weird thing because obviously for ages and ages and thousands of years, um, we didn't really have uh, an adolescent phase in our culture, and so I think that that's hard for some people to recognize they're just like in in ancient cultures it was you were a boy which means you need help from from the group or the the civilization and then you're a man which means you help the civilization
0: you No, know, so- if if i watched that movie 300 that one time <laughs> and it seems like if you're around what? 10 and you can kill a wolf with a spear yeah then you're a man. Then you're cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the What were some of the things around being that
2: young and that motivated to go into service? I th- um, well, from as
1: long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a soldier, mm. and and it wasn't just wanted to be a soldier. I was I was like fanatical about it. So especially around the age of nine, ten, eleven, I would I would completely like absorb anything i saw about the military mm. whether it be on the news whether it be reading whether it be read um everything and there was a, bu- a publication came out called combat and survival it's like a weekly like manual if you like from all different uh and i used to i used to get that from the paper shop again i would just completely absorb everything about being a soldier warrior culture the mm. the, the the full the everything and, oh. and that was like driving me towards Trying to be a, a a soldier as early as possible, and and back then um we had it was called the ju- there was the junior leaders so junior leaders um were you joined the British Army and you could be in this you, whatever unit you, you decided and you'd be given command appointments and and things and that went on for I believe it was a a year's training outside of junior leaders there was junior para mm, yeah. and that was okay. for and that was just for members of the and they didn't have rank. They didn't have how you'd be like a junior corporal. It was just you are all equally worthless and you <laughs> and 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 most of you will never jump out of an aeroplane but we're gonna we're gonna thrash you to an inch of your life for six months. And then allow you to go to what we call depot para to start the, tr- the real training if you like
0: we got you we're going to thrash you to within an inch of your life for six months and then give you a couple of days to think about your decisions <laughs> yeah and then and then you can start training it's like yeah <laughs> and you're like Perfect. okay and 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 looking looking back
1: it's a really strange deal they so so these the the platoon i i did and People will call me out on this. I can't remember the number. It was either twenty-seven platoon or twenty-nine platoon, and it was the last ever junior para. Junior, I think the junior army was shelved for about a year or so, and then they they, they carried it on. So now you can still join the British Army. It's sixteen years old, wow. and it and it's but it's a completely different setup. And on my last day in the army, I visit I visited um, the uh, the training centre, which is in Harrogate in North Yorkshire in the UK, and it's a really good setup. It's they focus a lot on education on preparing young men and women for adulthood and service adult service in in the army, which mm. was far different to um, what I did. But here's the question: is right now it's the it's, again it's really good and I and I couldn't from the very little I saw I couldn't fault it. They're doing a great job up there, but they're preparing young men and women for like I said for adult service or. Just adulthood yeah whereas back in junior para basically they were training young men to be warriors Uh, so what do you want as a as a as as an army or as a government or as a organization what actually is best
2: and when i look back (laughs) at it when
1: i look back at that it's like it's like what i i've done a lot in my life to do with military stuff and i've trained a lot of people and and, and and I've always had a big interest in, in things to do with training and development, and I look back at junior para, and part of me is quite critical of it, hmm. and it's a bit like if I had a sixteen-year-old son, I'd be quite. Would I want him to do it? Kind of, but not kind of. The same on the on the on the
2: same note. I think that, I think that question. I think that comes up quite a bit, right? Like, um, the, the probably the things that I've been through that were the best for me are also probably the least safe Um, and and the most defining experiences. So I think it's the same. Like you want, for your young or the people that you care about most, you're like, man, I really wish you had the lessons from this without the exposure of the potential trauma, mortality kind of deal that comes along with it.
1: It's like that thing, I don't know which comedian goes on about it saying he doesn't want to have like kids because they're going to turn into like (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: what are bad people because if you're rich and you have kids yeah, rich 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 kids sure. tend to be Shits. of a certain mindset <laughs> yes <of laughs> well, a certain but, mindset. <laughs> but these people are super successful of being like had a really hard life yes. and and dragged them like and fought their way up to be really successful
0: yeah but you can't you can't then change that um and and provided this cer- yeah. certain circumstances for their children which yeah. turn out to be limiting or to funnel them down a certain pathway that yeah. that yeah they can't they're not gonna like all right six months you uh you know you're gonna go on this island or whatever mm-hmm. uh, th- 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 someplace but, and and try and learn maybe have an experience similar to what the person who dragged themselves up for, yeah. again for my li- limited media exposure i think it's something that we don't talk
1: about because yeah. interesting thing is it, it it is. It, you can never. You can never replicate it, duplicate it, whatever the word is, because if you said we're going to send, I've got. I'm a billionaire, and I'm going to send my 16 year old son to live on an island yeah. with some commandos, and at the end of it, he's going to be a great person, because all the time in the back of their mind, they they know that hey, whatever happens when they come out of here, I'm going to have. I'm going to be a billionaire. I mean, it's mean, still I'm in a, line for the billions. It's, yeah, a, it's the, the same with, and I, and yeah. I think that's why maybe a lot of. Um, uh, I also say people from privileged backgrounds have more success because risk 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 taking isn't really risk taking yeah. because if they fail on that concept they just go back to start point, and it's the yeah. next and then it's the next project and they're yeah. after whereas so, yeah. someone who has who is one um, one generation away from po- poverty yeah. if you if you fuck it up then you are fucked yeah rather
0: than like oh yeah I'll just I'll just
1: I'll just reset myself and then do something else.
0: But I, th- I and, and I think this is really a valuable uh, um, thing, thing to explore, just the, the fact that when somebody, you know, from a privileged background talks about taking risk, then we need to have a, um, th- 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 then we need to define what the consequences are, you know, before we can actually have a conversation about this word, which has multiple different meanings, because um, it could be, yeah, I'm taking a huge risk, you know, financially i'm like yeah but then there's the cushion because you know the dad's the billionaire or you are taking a huge social risk where people might think you know differently of you if you fail to perform the thing that you you know that you're attempting to do and you know we build that up in our own minds to be just as um as consequential for us, as you know, returning to poverty, poverty as you know, confronting one's own mortality in a genuine way, um, and and I think I've I've been working on a piece of writing, trying, failing, mostly failing, about the concept of risk because I don't think people are willing these days. You know, everybody wants to be safe, and if you know the if if people can feel threatened by somebody else uttering. A combination of words, um, then we have completely lost the relationship with risk that actually um, is a mechanism that compels us. Or, and at the same time allows us to become better, more capable human beings. Mm-hmm. And if we just do away with that entirely, and so if, so if there's this program which is preparing people for adulthood, okay, you know, like like you say, you can't fault it in some way, but, um, you know, then when the call comes to be, to do warrior shit, yeah. is that, like is that a well that can be drawn from by those individuals or are they gonna need you know three more months of thrashing to within an inch of their lives or whatever it would be Hmm. to to, um allow them to step into the fray and and uh and i think what again when you hit on there is this risk risk Mm -hmm. and what it what it means
1: yeah because we see it and i don't want to talk about recent media events and sort of dying out on a tragedy but it's not the first time we've seen risk or de- risk and decision paralysis. Yes. And like I've said before, is in this day and age, if you tell someone to run into a burning building and rescue people, they'll probably do it. If you tell them to, or if it's their job to, you say, hey, I'm telling you, run in that building. Yeah. Even if there's a good chance they might die, they're yeah. probably going to do it. The problem now is people now are afraid, not of the risk of dying or injury. They're afraid of the consequence of them acting on something that they haven't been told to do or have the authorization to do and we see that happening quite a lot across
2: the world yeah well we're we're, we're from like a, a we've been dominated as a society and that this is like that there's there's a lot going as just just the subject of risk is really interesting because you're like it could be financial it could be mortal it could be any of these things and, and in some cases they cross these lines um, where you go oh you just became poor that's not that big a deal and I'm like in some circumstances you know being destitute is worse than some mortal outcomes and you're like just depending on um, just depending on how far down the terrible life experience path you go down to um, it is interesting that it is linked culturally to how we speak about things so there's this there's this uh in fact, it just came up with like the whole Will Smith slapping thing, right? I think Chris Rock said like, man, you think words hurt until you get punched in the face. And that, 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 that you know, this violence, this like you said a, a word to me and I take that as violence as somebody who does not understand violence, who's mm-hmm. never been like, <laughs> never been forcefully manhandled by the proper people. And that like once you, I, the distinct minute, that I felt my place in the physical world was when we were doing. Uh, we hosted back in 2004. We hosted Shogun Hua, who's like a Pride champion, UFC fighter. Eventually, at the time, he had he didn't have the title yet, but he was a phenomenal fighter. Brazilian guys, brother Ninja was there, mm-hmm. and they're they're known from their up, rough upbringing. They grew up in you know uh, the box which is Corchiba in Brazil, and they're like that school is notorious for breaking people so right. if you survive it it's not really a talent thing it's kind of like you're durable yeah you you didn't break your back or neck while people were trying to select you out which might sound a lot yeah. like the quote-unquote warrior selection processes no matter what your government yeah. is and they showed up and i was just excited because i loved muay thai and i loved like mma and stuff and he used me example for this ankle pick Right? This is just like a sweep. It's really simple. I've, somebody's done it to me a million times. And while he's teaching, he grabbed my ankle and pulled me so fucking hard. <laughs> I hit the ground and knew that I was not on the same physical level as some people. Just like, not technically, just the amount of force that that person could put on me. Yeah. Later... He's, a, he's the first person who actually like choked me out unconscious. He was just demonstrating a triangle and a hand-in triangle thing. And he's like, oh, you got to do the da 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 And now it was lights out. And then I, all <laughs> I got was him slapping my cheek. I said, are you okay? I'm like, the amount of force that a real person who wants to... He's not even trying to be violent. Yeah. He's just... accident. I'm just accidentally weak, right? Like I'm just accidentally... Um, so weak that his his mid-range force is just i don't know overwhelming to me and i think a lot of people miss that scale and so it's really hard to have a conversation about risk when we nobody's had the same experiences um especially now where we've have like a i would say a coddled culture and that that's really hard to define like how do you tell a kid today to join the military at 16 like man I, i'd be like is that risky? Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking risky. Yeah. You know, uh, there's all sorts of things, but maybe in your circumstance that that was the, like a surefire bet. I get like uh, I get from from being sixteen, and also it seems like it's kind of in your blood, like all the attraction to everything warfare and fighting and 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 strategy. Just kind of is it's in your cells almost.
1: It was a concern to the family around me because they. I was super, like, skinny, small, skinny young man. Mm. And the image, even then, it was ten years after the Falklands War, and people were thinking of paratroopers being six foot, two, mm. three, long moustache, mm. built, built well and things. <laughs> so people are looking at me going, well, this, this young runt has invested his whole life into doing something which, wait, we don't think he's going to be able to achieve. He'll never be mm. a paratrooper. And... In my mind, I, I didn't see any doubt. My only doubt was I was really scared of heights when I was, um, <laughs> like, to the point of super scared of heights, not just, like, as in, I start, like, my shame is, when I was 12 years old and was in army cadets, I was going to climb the cargo net and I started crying. I mean... I'll admit that. That's the first time I've admitted it. I've first time I've ever said that since it happened since <laughs> no, nineteen okay. since nineteen eighty eight. So but that happened. Yeah. And then and then the argument that people would say, because people knew I was extremely fit mm. that oh yeah, well he's scared of heights, he won't he won't he won't get into the paras anyway, even if he even if he was bigger. But but it was this whole thing in my in my heart of hearts. I kinda kinda knew and it and and I couldn't fail. And, and, I, and I always tell people that when, when people want to, whatever they want to try and do is like, yeah. you know, you, you kind of know it's going to work and not. And but the big thing is don't let any, we have a life of most time, Sorry, most people in their life, depending where they come from, have a whole childhood of being told that they can't do stuff. Yeah. That it's not within them. Yeah. Because dare I say it, a lot of people don't want their friends, family around them to be successful. Or oh, yeah. well, they want them to be successful, yeah. not too successful, a, certainly not more successful the than them. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Not because yeah.
0: they're thinking for your best interests, because mm-hmm. they don't want you to. to I, I am quite cynical, but it's an you know. interesting thing, though, because like the phobias, you know, as as you know, generic disqualification for you, you know it's, it's the, the the path. I mean, I spent whatever x amount of years as a professional climber um but you know but there was a day in 1981 when i realized that i was actually afraid of heights and i'd you know kind of fibbed my way into a situation that um was a little bit over my head and way the fuck off the ground and and i, I would not turn around and look down at, at at a certain point you're like well if you're afraid of heights you're disqualified from becoming a professional climber I'm like well no I can actually fix this yeah this is you know to the point where you know um uh, later I, I mean I just I I want all I want to do is look out I want to like tie into the back of my harness and lean out and look down you know and yeah. stuff like and I I think there's these uh, but you did also touch on this idea of yeah be successful but not too successful be strong but not too strong be you know do these things but don't don't leave us behind yeah so that we have to think differently of ourselves and what we might have done had we been so focused on what we wanted to do that nothing anyone um said n- to the contrary or negatively to us mattered because it's like you just respond with I'll show you and you keep going
1: yeah I think stubbornness has something to do I was too stubborn to be scared of heights it's just like nice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let it the- like yeah. it's all I'm still maybe I am yeah. I mean I'll get shaky leg or whatever but it's this whole thing of do you know what I'm just gonna be I don't care if I'm scared of heights I've just gotta do it and then because I read somewhere that it's the same thing of when the body has nothing left to give, we will carry the day. And it's like, have you heard that? <laughs> I did. I, did <laughs> I read that somewhere once. Yeah. <laughs> some some, some form of it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like yeah. that anyway. Yeah. But yeah. It, but, it, but it's true because it's this whole thing. If, even if it wasn't, it'd be interesting to see today, you know, where, with someone, if they're, someone who's never climbed a mountain, who's mm-hmm. never suffered, but the aliens invade or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're on the run and the Running for their life, there'll be some people. Not everyone will all of a sudden start climbing. Yeah, and and just go bang bang, bang, and and they would get. They'll get to where they've got to go. They'll survive by
2: going. How did that just happen? Like, and and it just did. Yeah, Yeah. that that, that's a. I mean, there's a bunch of good concepts. Just kind of. Uh, within the fear, um, it, it, I guess it doesn't matter how big you are because uh, it, like it doesn't help. It doesn't matter how like physically imposing you are if your mind gets in the way or the lack of mind, like the overthinking, the fear. Um, that that's eventually what I think paralyzes most people. Like very few people are limited physically to doing the things that they want to do, and and I think we're mostly limited culturally, from my best estimate, which is. Um, kind of it's a hard concept but when i think about it like even if you take out the mortal risk and the like high risk careers climbing or you know military war fighting kind of deals uh, most kids grow up trying to hold their class is in their status yeah right so you you get and i see it go both ways because my mom was really good about teaching me to um to Observe and be in whatever class I wanted to be. She was like adamant that because we were poor, hey, I, I don't want this to limit. I don't want to limit you because we don't have financial means. What will limit you is you won't fit in, as in you mm-hmm. won't speak the same. You won't have the same etiquette so it was a big part of my upbringing is to do like etiquette classes and to understand where your napkin goes and like what, you know, it was like a really weird thing. And at the time I hated, it It was so like, it seemed so stupid to me at the time until you start a career in anything. And you notice that I can, you can carry language, you can carry certain things, but I've also seen the opposite in some people who limit themselves by anchoring themselves to their status or their culture. Like, Uh, my cousins definitely did it where they hated everything fancy anything that had like a ranking they were just like detest fancy restaurants they thought the food was gross and that kind of stuff but it was really like uh you know a a stubbornness towards keeping the thing that's keeping you back it was really like a crab in a bucket kind of mentality
1: it's a bit like when people go to the fancy restaurant and instead of going actually i want to do this properly Mm -hmm. they'll say well i'm working class i'm just going to do it like this yeah and again it's that's them like like digging putting their flag in the ground and seeing it rather than just trying to be. The, I'm the, not saying I, by no means I'm not saying better themselves, right. but I'm just saying just to
2: what what's the, um is just to fit like fit in or do the right thing or just just I see, like, I, th- just I, see like, like yeah. I just see it as learning, yeah. like I just see it as like a failure to learn what is going on in whatever the environment or scenario requires. And I'm not saying like people should know what to put that's you right, know, a and fork if, and knife at a certain And that's time.
1: it. And if someone does it, not out of you know like ignorance, just, yeah. just that's just what they sorry, they just do it and they're like, no one again should be judging them for it. Yeah. But it's when people go, no, no, I'm I'm poorer, and that's it, and and that's what we're going to do. Just like if someone from a, a privileged background, or mm. a, uh, I shouldn't really say privileged, but from a but from a wealthy background, mm. then goes to someone who's poor and they do something, they shouldn't turn their nose up, up at it. It's just like, hey, this is just how these people do that thing. And, and and then expanding on that, it's just like if you go to another country and someone's doing something, you shouldn't turn your nose up. And then, or you, and people just say, well, I'm. I'm British, and this is how we do things. It should be all right. Let's let's do that. I won't. I won't drink cold tea though. Go, so.
2: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> when you say it was like the British, it's like a <laughs> pinky out kind of deal. I don't know where that comes from. I, <laughs> I, 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 kinda, I tell you who. I
1: don't think it's a British thing. The first person I saw do that was Eddie Murphy
2: okay yeah, on, it's on a, the maybe golden child like you know when he drinks yeah. our water when yeah, yeah. he's got to
1: carry the water yeah, yeah. And, he, and he drinks it in the pink <laughs> that's the first time I ever saw that that's a fancy
2: so. go go back because this is interesting it could be like a, a wormhole but go back you said like uh, maybe we shouldn't say privileged There there's a thought in there that might be interesting because you you don't want to assign just monetary or financial access as privileged right yeah um what 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 in your mind is a privileged existence?
1: I haven't given much thought because uh, we be just tie privilege to to wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when actually you can be privileged and yeah. just have a, a really solid upbringing. I mean, sir, a- access and from can it, be privileged, and, and, obviously. And, 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 yeah, and 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 a nice um, call me off guard. Call me off, off guard. <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> yeah. But is is uh, um yeah is. Is privilege could be, I mean, I, I don't really, It could just be you have, you've got a good family unit around you yeah. and access, like say, access to certain jobs or whatever you want. But we just tie it down now to to money, yeah. and and uh, I think that's really, like I said, short we, we shouldn't really call it privileged.
2: No, but especially yeah. when it
0: just that. Because I, I like to that me, you like on if, it. if that's the definition of 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 privilege, mm-hmm. then I, I mean, I uh, the first word that comes to my mind is insulated. Yeah. You know, and, and and maybe somebody would go, oh yeah, you're insulated from the bad things. I'm like, no, you're insulated from all things because yeah. you have this, you know, you have an identity wrapped up in the, the um, in whatever, you know, benefits or the, the positive aspects of your life. You have an identity wrapped up in that. And that just prevents you from, uh, you know, maybe doing other things, having other experiences of going and like, oh, I'm going to go. I mean, when you... Mentioned there about like going to an a. Uh, let's just say go to another country and then behave in the way that this is you know how we do it. Like well then you then as Michael said you're not you're not going to be able to learn. Yeah. If you don't sort of immerse and behave in a way and almost kind of disappear into the culture that you're visiting, then. Then of what use is it? Then you're a voyeur, then you're the person who's like going and, you know, taking and then coming home and then you know, broadcasting. And like it's it's really different to sit down, know that you're gonna get sick, mm. but eat the local food with the local people in the way that they do it. <laughs> Which yeah. has happened mm-hmm. so many times. Which has happened many times. But <laughs> but this is like this is how we can like um uh, not plant the flag in a sense, and I will. But and, which was also an interesting concept of saying like, this is you know, I'm I'm in this place. It's different than what you know than my self image is, and I am so bound, handcuffed, um, restricted by this image that I have of myself that I'm going to put my foot down and remain and, and just remain this thing, mm. whether I fit in or not. Because I'm not necessarily looking to fit in. I'm looking to not be compelled to, if I start seeing myself as someone different, then I might have to start doing things that would allow me to become different, and you know, nobody gets nobody, very few um, can outperform or become something different than their self-image tells them they are uh, who they are or what they're capable of doing and I think anybody who breaks out, regardless um, of the background whether it's we'll just make the definition privileged or not. Um, Anybody who breaks out is more remarkable for it. Yeah. uh, Like, or certainly more interesting.
2: I think the, the um, I think the fact will always remain as like a mental exercise, at least for, for me. And I found it like really useful is that there isn't a billionaire on the planet that I would exchange with. Right. Like not one. It could be a young billionaire. It could be what there, there isn't really uh, there isn't an a, actually there's not another human experience. It has a privilege that I would want to trade places for. I think because when you realize um, that if I traded places, I would just ruin that experience as well. Like whatever you are, you you are. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. I, I think I saw this when uh, we're talking about our fit. Friend from the UK who's like firefighter. He's been on Men's Fitness and Health like twenty-seven times. He's forty-seven. He's all sorts of. He's a, a f- phenomenal human being. Like him is like a what you can do with a life. It seems like a good one, you know. And he's good-looking. He's got whatever he kind of wants. Makes good money. Gets accolades and wins things. And somebody sometime I, I think it was a while ago. Man, I just wish I could like switch and have his body for a minute and you're like you'd realize he'd be fat in like six weeks right? like he is yeah. the way he is because of the behavior that he's developed and you are the way you are because of the behavior that you've developed and the first insight is to be like instead of trying to get out of your experience and into somebody else's experience as a mode of getting more privilege mm-hmm. like make your experience more privileged like as in be more grateful for the things that you are and can change isn't it i I
1: really like the um i don't know who said it but i used to use it in terms of the the military units i used to serve in Mm. in in hindsight this is and but i say to a lot of people now is would be in a lot better state if man what's it man um instead of trying to better the man next to you just be a better man yourself
2: worse (laughs) (laughs) ah okay there's just some there's just some things that but but then but then it's
1: this this so there's two two of the lines from this is that you know when people say oh i'd love to be chris craighead Mm. like would you it's the the sword of damocles type thing i've got a load of shit going on in my life yeah which i did wish i didn't yeah but it's not all straw hats and trumpets no and 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 it it goes on to another thing i read by someone um Every t- so just so we're clear, every time I say read by someone, I mean Mark, who's in the room with me, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, a, it's like a it's a jo- it's like a joke. But just in case people think, I wonder who that was. I'm just <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to spoon I'm going to spoon feed you this. <laughs> but everything comes at a, everything comes at a cost. Yeah, and the, and and I think this is a everything a re- has
0: a price or a cost, and everyone pays. Yeah,
1: mm. and everything today, everything, especially social media, everything wants everything now. Yeah. they didn't see from you know from from me being born to where I am now no. or from me being born to 2019 I had to go through a lot of shit and it was preparing me for that for mat- for a time of glory mm-hmm. and it had to be and it worked up. I was having a conversation with a, a red bull athlete that i'm I'm good friends with and he's the same age as me he's in his mid40s He's top of his game really good, per- he's, he's loved and adored across the land, he's such a good person, um, really good at his job, everyone loves him, he's great. And young kids coming into skydiving want to be him right now. Mm. They want to go, oh, why can't I just wake up and be, be like this guy? But what he said is they don't see the bit where he's mid-40s now, That when he was 18, living in a tent yeah. in Arizona yeah. in the summer, scratch packing parachutes just so he's got enough money yeah. to, to eat get something shitty yeah. but get a jump more importantly to get the jumps in yeah that led him to being where he is in his mid 40s yeah. everyone's everything every every everything everyone wants it now but people don't accept the cost and i had a conversation a few months ago with someone very very dear to me and and she didn't really know what she wanted to do with life and where it was going and i said look it's you know life will find you out it, you'll you, you think you're going to do this and then this will happen and there'll be these tragedies that will force you to do this and you may not ever see the end goal but you're working towards something you probably don't even know you're working to, towards yeah and then i say but what is success mm. and, I, and i said if you'd so if you had turned to the 16 year old christian craighead and said hey when you're when you retire at the age of uh 45 I think I was. <laughs> 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 uh, when I retired. If when you retire at the end, at the age of 40 um 45. Yeah. No, I was just looking at oh. the camera. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you retire at the age of 45, this is what you would have achieved and it'll be like xyz all these really cuz I had a really um uh interesting military career and there's one incident that we all know about, mm. but there's the other stuff that I'll never talk about, which is just as well. It's not just as good, it's, but it was good. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. But it was a really, a really good career, which I'm super proud of, and I've got awards and, and all sorts. But it cost me everything. Oh yeah. What did it cost me? It cost me my family. I'm I have no. I'm not close to really any member of my family. Mm. Uh, my circle of friends is super small. Arguably any but it's like I've got a really small circle of friends because all i was doing was driven towards what I wanted to be which was this warrior to yeah. chasing the ace all the time what's the next best thing because what i just did what didn't satisfy my my soul or ego so i just want to press on press on press on mm-hmm. by the time it's all said and done yes it's success to the 15 year old 16 year old but then it cost everything on the flip side of that you could have said okay let's let's go down a different into a different universe and I could look at a Christian Craighead who stayed in his hometown who got a manual job in his hometown maybe become successful at that didn't really travel the world if even go outside of this the city centre but by the time he's 45 he's got a nice house a nice semi-detached house in a cul-de-sac. he's got a devoted wife maybe maybe not devoted but a devoted but a wife <laughs> with with 2.4 kids and his family, my, my family that I've remained close to because I've been in proximity to them are there. Her family's there because she's a local girl and and he might be really overweight, but he's happy and he's got everything around him. Like, I could look at that and go, that that's not success. But to someone else, it is success. Yeah. And
0: who's the mug? I mean, it's just how you look at life. Do you... Th- <laughs> yeah, who's the mug? I, um... Do you think, you know, when in that that um dichotomy, I guess it is, of seeing the successful thing as we were talking about standing on the summit with arms raised um versus the it it, it uh but not everything that you know uh was required to get to that point? Do you think they willfully don't look at the sacrifice and the losses um uh Or do they? Are they just ignorant of them? I think. I think it's just ignorant to it. Okay. But but did I I, I cut you off there? No, no. I I, no not. I I think it's. uh, Um, I I I wonder if that's. It's got to be ignorance, because who would willful? You know, like who could actually? You know stand there and go, well, I'm, I'm going to, I know that there's all this preparation and all this, you know, living, li- you know, I got to move to a foreign country because the best guys in the world are there in the world are there. And, and I'm only going to get, you know, if I stay here, I'm only going to get worse. I'm going to, you know, remain at the lowest level of the people around me, or I'm going to join, I'm going to keep good, you know, chasing these things. Um, because the one that I was chasing, um, when I, tackled it and had that experience or did that thing it wasn't enough um it would be ridiculous to look at all of the rungs on the ladder and and ignore them if you wanted to you know be standing on top of the ladder mm-hmm. like it it just so yeah it's, it does seem that it would have to be ignorance but also the product and maybe that ignorance or that um is the product of a culture now that claims that you can have it all right now but what the culture is actually claiming is that you can have the appearance of it right now yeah but kidding. you don't actually get you know th- there is there will be no depth you will be found out and I hope you suffer miserably <laughs> for making the decision yeah. to go after the you know the end goal without the you know the 90 years <laughs> but,
1: but they're saying you can have it all for free yeah. that's the that's the that's what the the biggest fault yeah. is you can have it, it's all it's yours for the taking for free yeah not it's yours for the taking but by the way the small print is you have to work for it and I again I might be completely wrong uh with this but it, to the other that person as well I mentioned like I, the first person that came into mind was like Bradley Cooper so I don't know Bradley Cooper I don't know if you probably, I don't know if you guys know him personally. or I yeah, don't, don't, haven't worked. But with. but my, my line was that, was that I didn't really, I can't remember seeing much of him until a few years ago. Hmm. And, but people will think he was born Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that, that he, he was he
0: was born fully formed. Yeah. And, already, yeah. And,
1: and I'm sure, like I said, I might be wrong, wrong for this, but I'm sure like from an early age, from a young age, he's like, hey, I want to be, I want to, or whenever he decided I'm going to be an actor. And he had to do all these, had to work, work really hard just to get on the interview he like completely immersed himself in acting school or acting gigs or whatever and doing things taking these shitty jobs that he didn't want to do taking oh, shitty yeah, jobs right. to maybe fund it like I say I might be completely wrong sure. with this but there's probably a lot of actors out there who are in this category where everyone just thought they were born famous person and that and, was it and, well, and didn't it the yeah.
2: well wouldn't you say like <clears throat> there there's an event that happened somewhere in the world that made your name kind of a household name and people will think that you, you know, were fully formed. What What do you think? Without talking about specific events, what do you think the events were before that that allowed? But that's th- like twenty
0: seven or twenty eight years, right yeah. after, you know, uh, of experience leading up to. Uh, yeah, I thought was twenty six years into my 20, career. Yeah, like yeah, thereabouts.
2: So, yeah. do, you, do you, are there like? Um, are there specific events along that path where you're like boom that event was very important it shaped my behavior in this way or is it just kind of like a Uh, well this is why I feel
1: so privileged is that I got to that point in my life and I can look back and when things are really shitty and do when people say things are going to work out Mm. it's always for a reason it's kind of given me closure on a lot of things because I think the Christian Craig head of of um two thousand nineteen mm. wasn't he didn't he wasn't he he I was training for that incident from the minute I was born mm. and I'd say a lot of the things that shaped me actually happened before I joined the army rather than mm. the army. The army mm. was just it's like again using all these analogies and things it's like when I joined the army i was a i was a piece of metal that looked like a that looked like a sword, and the army just Shaped me and mm. tempered me and made me into that ultimate sword at 2019. Yeah. But I was already the sword-shaped piece of metal yeah. when they took me at 16 years old. Yes, and and I think one of the key things was, and again, I know it's a bit cliche or whatever, same old story. But from having a bit of a tough life as a child, is um, it's like this whole thing. What it what it taught one of the biggest things it taught me is that there's lots of evil people out there and a lot of the time no one's going to help. And people think people are going to help and people are going to come, most of the time they're not. Yeah. And it so it of taught me to one defend yourself, expect evil, but also protect people who can't protect themselves mm-hmm. because maybe they haven't got your life lessons and therefore they're waiting for the help to come which isn't coming. Yeah. And you're but the, but, yeah. but then I just contradict myself by saying, well, I'm
0: coming. But this is this is interesting because uh, I mean, if we'll, I don't know what the terms here are, but I read the, the the one book so far that has been written about events in 2019. This was written by a young lady who. Had, yeah, you can see all that. I think that's open source. So. Okay, um, uh, Millie Chippen, she's a dear friend of mine. Yeah, um, it, it's it's an extraordinary book because it it it. Um, uh, it allows you to look into um because we 've met and we 've had a conversation and i 've you know spent some years working with um individuals from different you know military groups on our side of the ocean that are uh you know the equivalent to uh, and i 'll put that in air quotes because um you know, obviously, there's some inter-service and inter-unit rivalry between um, uh, between the groups, but and and, and t- so to to understand the perspective a little bit of the, of someone you know who in your circumstances moving into that situation um, where her just overtaken by events with absolutely no um, even. St- Mel of something like that previous in life and and to be in the situation where y- you know you're thinking that you know maybe you're hoping someone's coming because they've always told you that if you make the phone call that someone will be there um th- th- those two experiences are so polar and yet they're both human mm-hmm. um but to but to realize that she 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 was in a situation that that was so far outside of her experience, yeah. um, that you know she kind of got fast forwarded into what I would call real life. Yeah, um, you know, within hours or minutes. I, I
1: think um, with with Millie's, it. I mean, I love that book, and I, I was, I think, it was one of the first people to read it because she asked mm-hmm. me what I thought, yeah. and, I, and I said, I was, I said, I'm always quite one of my a big fault of mine is I'm brutally honest, and I said if if this is if this is shit, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And I talk, and I said and I halfway through I said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is a page turner. Oh no, you're only just. Saying, I'm saying, look, I told you. I told this you. Is I a, this you. is a this is a really it's a really good book and a good story. Yeah. But um, I, and so it's called Terrorist Attack Girl by Melee chipin If you haven't read it, I recommend you read it, and it will give you an insight into a into a, a real life terrorist attack. But one of the things I was just I only. Thought about whilst you were talking, and you earlier in the conversation when I said there'll be some people in this world that will just what, life like the will will take them. They've just got to do 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 it, and then they do it, and then they've climbed up this rock face and went, "How did that just happen? Yeah, how does it just happen?" I think merely I like I say Melee's a dear friend of mine. She's a remarkable person. What would have been an interesting thing to see is let's just say she had no communications with the outside world, and she's just in that room yeah like i merely is one of these people that would have she would have she would have been successful no matter what she would have okay. if if she had no communications and it's like she would have probably hidden that room for a little bit and then it would have been okay what am i going to do because she wouldn't have just stayed there mm. she'll be that person that would have like like uh just doing whatever just managed to by hooker by crook Getting out, get out that building, get to mm. safety, and then out effect. That's the sort of person I think she is. She Thanks. always solves herself, like out on, on going. I was terrified or whatever but I think she's she's a real doer and a real like thinker. And she would have been that one of these people. I feel that would have, or at least died trying. Yeah, and so
0: I, I think this is an interesting thing, though, because the um, y- you because she had access you know was able to contact the outside world and contact the people from google who were sort of helping her and talking her through this stuff um but you you if if there was no outside communication she would have become that person who does yeah who figures like well i i gotta get the i I, okay i'm gonna take the you know temperature i'm gonna Try and do something, but because you have the outside contact, you defer to that level of expertise, and then you sort of negate your own ability. Um, and, I mean, or, or or that deferment to the to, to the more expert person or the more you know uh, wise person. Um, it 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 has the effect of negating your own expertise or your own sort of will to power in that same situation almost, and even maybe your own gut instinct. But yes. because someone who's super experienced
1: might say hey do this do this yeah and you might have no training but thinking and i think there's a difference between like being scared and but it that, that good feeling going no yeah. i'm not like i'm not just going to do that because but then you do it and then they get killed or whatever but so there's this balance but like i said, it negate all, all that of,
0: of that and then there's and then there's the thing you know okay because the 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 expertise is in the device Right, the computer yeah, yeah. Is, is always the most trustworthy sort of resource, and I think that you know that reliance or that uh, you know the the automatic way with which we go to the com- you know we ask the AI, we ask the algorithm, we yeah. use this as a way to communicate with the expert, um, then it becomes the final word in our own personal authority, um, it, and it, it, except for when we don't have it. Yeah, and then we be, then we probably become someone different.
2: Well, hmm. I think I think on that on that note because that is a huge theme that uh, we've talked about autonomy a lot. We talk about training yourself to be more capable. It's a, it's kind of the same um, deal. And I think the people that are always gonna do, or the people that don't do, and there's plenty of them. Yeah, like I would say the majority the majority of people don't do what they wanted to do in life in general in the moment at, at the at the, at the the point where it matters most people shy away from it maybe because of fear uh, but I think it's actually we've been kind of conditioned towards external authority right? Yeah. The phone the politicians
0: the, Well I was the... just about to say the politicians yeah Yeah the, 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 all the, of them the, the political makeup right now especially Yeah the, the
2: teachers yeah. like it's kind of how we've been taught our entire life is just to say do this don't do this and then when there comes a moment where there isn't somebody specifically telling you what to do you've never developed this inner authority which i think is the the awakening part of uh of of kind of a a life path is like understanding that i am my own authority i don't need somebody to tell me what to do i can figure out what to do I, i might not know but I know how to figure it out because I trust this inner voice,
0: this inner thing that says, "Do this, do it now." And happily, my upbringing um, taught me how to learn from anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. wait, that doesn't happen anymore. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you talk about your your
2: upbringing. Obviously, you you joined at a very young age, but there were circumstances in there which you you had learned to trust. If I mean something you were it was magnetic to this this profession this this profession of uh th- that's not really celebrated anymore it really hasn't been celebrated i would say in earnest since since vietnam right like that that was kind of the end of western culture's appreciation of warrior culture yeah. real warrior culture not not drafted obligated told what to do uh, but it was really appreciated kind of in world war two world war one even even though it was a controversial war you basically have this media marketing aspect that really changed how western civilization looks at the class and the the actual profession of going to war and for some for whatever reason maybe it was movies that could be a big influence too because they still kind of glorify it um but you managed to get this into your into your being that you wanted to do this thing. And that that I see is like, well, that's the first sign of like an inner authority. Right? Your your family's telling you not to do this. You're gonna fail because you're small, you're this, or you're that and the other. You're like how how rare that aspect is in a in a person. It doesn't matter, it could be your profession, you know, it could be Mark's profession, although those those are exciting professions. But I, I think just that quality is never uh it's never fostered we want our kids to reflect the things that we are important yeah. generally and our school system education system same thing we like take my morals my ethics my uh my aspects and um, you know my parents did it to me too my dad wanted me to be religious and my mom wanted me to get a stable job which I have not yet done. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: so, yeah, the, and you hear and you see it a lot with like uh, doctors. Yes, a lot yeah. of doc, doctors' sons and daughters become mm. doctors. It's quite a, and they marry doctors, and it's yeah. this whole thing. It's, it's, and it, again, they're just doing what their parents maybe. Yeah, like aimed, they got, they got, they got groomed to, to do, to do, to do whatever job that is. Yeah, and, that, you know, and and and, and is like can be like that as well. Not mm-hmm. failure, but you know, like if someone wants to be a rock star it might there's so much talent out there We, I. Yeah. There's one thing I've seen in these 40 near 47 years on this planet there's so much talent out there talent out there that isn't that is out there and will never be seen never be heard never be witnessed <laughs> and it's because people have told them you can't do that or society said you're not good enough to do that yeah. or, or, or they've never had that chance you, you think whether it, be, whether it be athletics whether it be other sporting talents it's it's out there just because this is maybe privilege another ex of privilege is where mm. way they get up but you get the opportunity so again again you see a lot of professional soccer players sons become soccer players it's because their father one they've got the natural talent that was passed on by their parents mm. but also they then get the opportunity for someone to witness that where there's lots of good sunday football club players who will never be seen who could really cut it in a, as a professional footballer, for sure. But it just
2: lost. Forever. I have to, a couple thoughts on that, especially in the music realm. I think there's another split that I think is probably worth mentioning. That, and we've noticed this too: is like what you pick to do as your profession often ruins your passion, right? It really corrupts it in a way, especially in the art fields. Um, and I think in music, I think a lot of very talented musicians realize that genuine music should not actually be recorded, that it actually should be experienced live and in person. And that is the only, I've, I've now seen a couple artists that only, they only do live performances. They won't record anything. And uh, it's, it's frustrating first, because man, I want to like hear them when I, you know, I want the convenience factor, but also uh, when you do see them live, you go, oh, you're right. I was here for something that cannot actually be replicated or purchased or, uh, and, and that that is like kind of a true art in a sense. Um, but I, I think aside from that, like going down the road of like, okay, I, I I think I can do this outside of what people are telling me, yes or no. And that, that's a big subject in our female training book that we're working on. Is like, uh, especially today when culture is talking about, you know, um, what the effects of are of like endogenous chemicals, testosterone, exogenous chemicals, you know, estrogen levels, stuff like that, that would make somebody's identity not applicable in certain categories of sport we could leave it as general as possible because it's not worth really going down that road but when i look at it i look at like like a performance enhancing drug really is in your kind of your um your upbringing your, your teachings that were instilled with you and that, that's one of the things that you know a lot of females have to overcome especially in sport and capability and I would say this 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 goes beyond just females, but this is kind of the easiest category. Like, yeah, you can add testosterone into a, uh, a born female, right? And that would make her stronger, and she would have all all sorts of other qualities. You will never instill the upbringing where you are encouraged to go harder and to like try hard and to work hard and to you know do physical things on, just on a subconscious level, because there's this there's a subconscious thing where certain people, and now now it's boys and girls, because you see a coddled society, right? You see, uh, we deal with clients all the time that have never done anything hard. They don't know how to do it. You're like, no, no, go harder. And they don't know what that means, right? They don't know how to put forth effort. And it's all because, they, man, their parents didn't want them to get hurt. These helicopter yeah. parents uh, that become essentially lawnmower parents, right? <laughs> just like chop their kids down by trying to save them. And I think, uh, man, I think about it a lot. It's like our society is kind of a reflection of that first indoctrination of effort and will. Like what 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 is acceptable, what is promoted, and what is uh, what is despicable in a society. And you kind of see where we're at now. And you go, yeah, um, working hard is not really a quality that we teach kids because mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not really uh, it's not seen a lot where people just work hard. Uh, they work a lot of hours, but just being in a cubicle that, for ten hours a day—that's right. Phone. It's the
1: definition of working hard, yeah. Which needs to be clarified
2: to to young people. Yeah, which yeah. It sometimes is sm- like being intelligent with your effort, like. And
0: mm-hmm. maybe offer the the children an an opportunity to work hard, yeah. as opposed to shielding them yeah. from it and saying, "Yeah, yeah it, it's true. It makes s- some sense to work smart <laughs> instead of hard, but." there is i think there's not an equal you know there's not an equivalent uh lesson um that th- that evades you know hard work or doing something difficult and i was just reminded when you were talking about like we see people all the time who've never done anything hard and it fl- i flash back there's an essay in poison mm-hmm. about a particular individual <laughs> that we trained in the gym while we were in bulgaria <laughs> uh, uh, who got to a certain point and was like, "My my legs, they're 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 burning, they're burning." Is it, "Is it going to be okay?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. This is this oh, is shit. Not what you feel yes. right this is before those, you die. This is what I, those
2: monks I, I, protesting experienced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I heard I heard a story
1: from uh, friends of mine who were who were uh, recruit trainers in the British Army, uh-huh. and this was this this story is probably about. Five or six years old, okay. but they were saying to me they were having dramas with young recruits turning up, and when they were doing their fitness tests, they were completely freaking out when they out of, when they started get the out of breath feeling because they're thinking because I'm having they straight away thinking I must be having an asthma attack yeah or or I'm or I'm dying because they've never up to that point. being out of breath because again now it's like it was a common thing for everyone to play soccer or to play a sport or to do it doesn't matter if you're good at it but you'd have to do something and what in in theory i not in theory, but I suppose looking back, you had to do it. It's yeah. cool. It wasn't like oh, I don't want to do it. But now, yeah, I know there's time I, set aside. Now, and now you I are... know that they're not really getting pushed to the to okay. the when they're doing athletics. It's like, hey, just run around it, and they're ticking a box, going oh, 400 meters, and they're just like walking around 400 meters or just jogging around the 400 meters. <laughs> they're not. There's not that mindset now of even if you suck, even yep. if you're over chronically overweight as a child, and it's like, hey, you got to do the 400 meters in PE, and you're like, oh, they're not. They're still bang. They're running as fast as they can, yeah. even if they are fatty McButterpants. Yeah, they're still going for it. Oh yeah, fatty yeah, McButterpants. A- still <laughs> <then they're> like <laughs> <laughs> but- yeah. that for sure. It's a fucking
2: great. It's a great but identifier. St- but you,
1: what they're still hard charging and try and they're like still like and they get there and they did their best and they but they're and they're hanging out and they're like sucking it in. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now it's like, now it's like hey, just do your best, not give your best. Ooh. Which is I just thought Ooh. that's a good line, isn't it? It's really yeah. good. Hey, can we just? It, I just said that right there, and it, I've yeah, never said it before. It,
2: yeah, do, it's pretty good. That, yeah.
0: yes, give your best, not do your best. <laughs> I, that
2: one, that one, that's I think this is this is such a an excellent inquiry for anybody trying to like fathom. Do, do you remember? Um, I remember the first time I tried hard. Like I mean, really, like I wanted something and I couldn't do it, and my dad just kind of laughed at me and I think we were in Ventura and there was a big break and we were surfing and I really wanted to catch one of the bigger waves but I couldn't get out past the breakwater and he, I just would tumble in and I was like exhausted and he was just like, yeah, you gotta swim harder and I was like, okay and I would like try harder, I couldn't ever do it but it like, that solidified in my mind that there were levels to effort and I can remember it as clear as like, okay, I gotta like practice swimming harder in order to like do this thing that i wanted do you re- do you remember like i mean it's probably i was really young but it it seems like you're more motivated and had had more drive than i ever did as a kid do you remember like the moment where you first tried hard i think the the like
1: uh there might have been times before that again there's the old everyone's got the story of learning to ride a bike mm. uh, and my uncle my um just Put me on the top of a hill and let let my bike go, and, <laughs> nice. and then I cracked it. Uh, nice. But but that that wasn't really trying hard. That was mm. but what what I remember the one what, I think it was a defining moment, and it, and it, and it, it um was my my mother was in 1984. We'd moved to a new house, and the next door neighbour was big into long distance running. So mm. my mother started again. It was a fad, but it was she was mm-hmm. still running. It was good on her. She was running and she was doing these r- runs and building up to half marathon. So I was eight going into nine years old, saying, Hey, can I can I come with you? And she was like, No, no, you're too young. You're too young. Yeah. Um, but I kinda of was a good runner going back a few years. Um, my friends my two friend two friends that they were brothers and they had bikes and I didn't have a bike, so I used to go and play with them, but they wouldn't so they just go on bike rides. but they
0: wouldn't want to use their bikes yeah. so, so
1: i used to run next to them <laughs> cho- talking and chatting with them which so inadvertently made me a good runner and then and then it's like an inverse rocky and then it's like and then when i finally got a bike they decided bikes were boring so you know but anyway <laughs> but, so <laughs> um but then so yeah so in 1984 when my mother's uh, started running and things and like I say good on her for doing it and, and she built up to a half marathon my um I was like, can I come along with it? No, no, you can't. But I knew it was, I knew I used to run anywhere. I used to run by myself Mm -hmm. and things as in, not in training, just run around Mm -hmm. everywhere. So there's in this, in the summer of 1984, there was like a, like a, like a fate or something, or like a country fair. And there's a three mile run Mm -hmm. that everyone can do. And, and, uh, and they were like, Oh, do you want to, Christian, do you want to, do you want to do this run? I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to do it. So they do this, They set off on this run and I, I didn't win it, but all of a sudden, everyone like this family, loads of, like other members of family that are looking going, who who's is that? Is that Christian? And I can bolt him around the corner and the finishing straight was on like a track, and I was like, boom, And everyone's just like looking going, like holy shit, this guy's fast. And then and that was me like proved again, proving to everyone, hey, I can run. Yeah. And I don't know what time it did it in, but I'm I was definitely it was enough for people to raise eyebrows and go, boy he's he's fast put him on a track and then and again but this is where we go about you know opportunity and talent again it's not it's not it by no means criticism towards my family or anything like that Mm. but some other people would have said hey we need to capture this oh yeah because it was eyebrow raising speed yeah and they said we can develop this 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 kid to to do something but it wasn't but but that was the start of me going running more because then it was yeah. acknowledged that I could run. Yeah. So then, I, and and it was from then. So from so I started running really from the time I was eight nine years old. That's when I started it's running regularly. Pretty good. And then, and I, I, I mean, and I still do it now.
2: You're right that like some some families would go, oh, there's a there's a thing that we could exploit a talent a, a behavior that if we foster it the right way maybe it'll pay for college or maybe it'll be good. You know, if, if parents are good, they'd be like, this will be an excellent avenue for this child to learn lessons that I can't teach them. The only effort can teach. And I think that's where, I mean, so we, ha- we have a, uh, a guy that we train in here who's been training for a while. Japanese guy, different upbringing, obviously, because they just are. <laughs> and he's raising kids now and his kid is nine. And, uh, and so he tells me, he was like, oh, I put my kid in soccer. You know, it's his duty to do well. And you're like, yeah, you know, I get it. It's like, I don't have that upbringing, but I can appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. And he's like, he needs to get better at running. What should I have him do? Is like, just have him run for fun, man. Like just run mm-hmm. until it's not fun and then he can stop, but don't ever make it painful. So he comes in one day. He's like, Masa ran 10 miles today. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. I was like, crazy. How did he do? He's like, well, he only cried for the first seven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just
2: like, <laughs> Jesus. Hey what well, <laughs> yeah. different different avenue but i can guarantee that that kid however hard he thinks running is now or like how you know much he hates it he, there will be an appreciation at some point in your life if you've ever if mm. you've ever developed an ability to push past what you're comfortable with yeah. no matter what maybe it ruins his knee I don't know I can't like comment and say it's a good or bad thing but I bet the outcome from doing hard things at a really young age he'll be light years ahead of any child that I really know now yeah it's kind of crazy I,
1: get, I think I, I'm not doing this much justice but there's a school in UK mm. it's a public school Um. so um, where I think the majority of this has a, su- a super high percentage of British athletes come from that school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's a similar thing: is people, people with a bit of money and and the knowledge to do mm-hmm. so. Go. My kids got potential char- talent. They then get sent to this school, and they accept or don't accept. But then they completely uh, foster that yeah. that talent, and, and then hone it in and make them, and then spit them out. At the end of it is is British athletes. I, I don't know which school it is, but but it's just about again it's like where it comes back to what is privilege yeah and again it's it's opportunity and and access i suppose
2: yeah that i mean that that tends to be i guess a better a a better definition than just merely financial income which not to take away from it 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 seems like just just getting to the age where you can like pay your bills that's like a phenomenal state of being where you're like okay I'm not wor like a, an amount of stress is reduced because I can cover the bare minimum. Yeah, and you can kind of go, okay, now I can like breathe and live and do the things that I want. And and the other thing we should highlight
1: here is like when I want to when we say like privilege now seems like a negative term, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't really be. It should be hey you you're from a, I'm from a privileged background. It shouldn't be looked at as a negative. It should no. be like it should be like saying if just like if someone says hey I'm really strong yeah good on you it's not negative it, hey i'm from a privileged background it shouldn't be taken as like oh, i'm sorry about that and people yeah, shouldn't dude, be looking I'm, there going yeah you're from a privileged background it's like a, like it's an insult it's yeah. like now given as an insult where it's, it, should it's an it should just be it should just be an accepted thing so i hope people listening to this when we're saying privilege, we're not like i, I well i have got a chip on my shoulder but but it's but, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. but, but well, when i say privileged, i'm not yeah. seeing it like in menacing and going no, no I down them or whatever it's, it's neutral it's, just, it's like yeah. a thing I, I don't
2: think of it as a pejorative either in fact we were going to make a a t-shirt for a while that was like my white male privilege to meet you <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, like all of these things i don't i don't see as negatives and i don't you know you know maybe that's my my privilege speaking but i really don't like if i If I feel, I say, God, this is such a weird, we said this uh, the other day, uh, this guy came to town to do some meetings talking about uh, some product lines that we're like developing and he's a money guy, right? And so he's here to talk about money. And generally in my past, because we've been so poor or whatever, it's really hard to talk about money because I don't know that much about it um even though we've done fairly fucking well for being an uneducated you know meathead kind of deal so i feel okay about it and he started talking about some stuff and i go just so you're clear like we don't like we're doing this because we like the idea we don't need the money necessarily and he's like oh i know he's like that's not what money guys are about and i was like oh that's interesting so he explained his like privilege in a different way he's like this is just this is just talking about amplifying creativity and and ideas. So like, okay, I, I for sure want to know more about that. But it, I, I used to tell people this. It'd be like most people don't know that like me and Aaron we're like really fucking rich. We're like we're like super. We try to keep it secret, right? And keep it secret because people get weird when they know you're rich. Can I can I get an invoice in retrospect? (laughs) 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 Can I? Can I? This is is where it goes. People start letting. They're like, "Oh, what a fucking asshole!" Like he just like freely admits this. I'm like, no. Don't get me wrong. I don't have any money really, but we have all the things that are actually of value, which are experiences and relationships and and opportunity and access. Like all of those things, I feel more privileged than. I know.
0: So, Christian, your, your invoice will go unpaid, but, <laughs> yeah. but we will. Yeah. We, but we will, we will accept it with you all know. paid in happiness. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I've got an IOU. I'm, I'm going to give you some
1: of my happiness. That yeah. I'm completely <laughs> in, uh, uh, in,
0: <laughs> overrun with.
2: I've got so much happiness. That's what we're going to pay you with, because it's to be true wealth. To, yes, to, to be fair, okay. if I could transfer <laughs> that idea, if I could transfer happiness, you would in fact be a billionaire, right? Like. That idea, if you you could spread, this is kind of how I look at it. Like uh, uh, motivational speakers, like people that have these like weird platforms. Who are like, I don't. What do they do for a living? Like, I know they invest their money and they're like somehow a billionaire, and that number doesn't make any sense to me. But what are they really doing? And I think what they're doing with their speaking is actually changing people's brain patterns to be in a state that they can't do themselves. Uh, people are generally unable to change their own state
0: so they listen to other people because it changes them I I feel you know fortunate to have been pushed into sport by my parents um, not the sports that I wanted to do right um, but still it was my duty to yeah to, to, to do that you know or, or, or you know whatever there was not a there wasn't a question that I wasn't going to play American football I was going to play English football there was not even a conversation with my parents interesting because you know American football is too dangerous I mean that's that that in itself is pretty good insight actually (laughs) I mean it's especially in you know I don't know the late '60s, early '70s, leather helmet <laughs> you know, range. Right? Yeah. I think they were probably plastic by then, but but still, you know, it's just it. Uh, um, and, and what I learned from that, I don't necessarily know, but you know the, you know the coach's son was always, you know, starting. I mean, he was good. Yeah. But he was also the coach's son, which meant yeah. he was always started. That was one of the things I had learned from there. Yeah, because <laughs> so that so was his privilege. It, it's interesting. I mean,
1: again, this is me talking completely out of uh, out of lane here. But you know, like when you see, well, we talked about the protective, the, the helmet, the, the helmet protective gear. Yeah, was less there. But I don't know if there's any stats to see what the injury numbers were were like then as well, because is it like do our bodies adapt to the you know like adapt to the comfort, yeah. like adapt to the safety, adapt to do you know like now the protection's better, but we're still getting lots of injuries. Or this, is that, like this, this, is this is a
2: thing? phenomenal argument actually because yes. this goes this goes deep seated, especially into bike racing. Um, I've heard recently that this study was actually kind of bunk. Okay, uh, the one that kind of vindicates the non-helmet wearer. Yeah, uh, but there is something to be said towards how you respond when you
0: don't think you're protected,
2: right? You, you tend oh, to have a behavior is totally different. I mean, it happened,
0: totally it happens, it happened in climbing. It yeah. happened, um, in, you know, there was, I mean, I started wearing a helmet. I mean, I used to, I mean, for years I climbed with a headband cause mm-hmm. that's what all the French dudes did. And yeah. They were the best. Um, <laughs> but then I just got hit in the head too many times and I realized like, fuck, this is, maybe this is, this is okay. Um, it, but but you there there was a there was a very good study done on skiing and snowboarding and helmet yeah. use, and found that people behaved in a you know they were willing to accept more risk because they thought they were wearing a deflector shield yeah even though the helmet isn't going to save your fucking leg yeah or your ACL you know yeah. the, the other stuff um and so, and I do think it's the same way in 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 cycling and yeah. a, and probably it you know in in climbing is you you, have, you know you make some behavioral changes about stuff you go to places that maybe you shouldn't mm. based on this but the threats in the mountains are big enough that you know the helmet's just to preserve the dental mm. record
1: I remember a doctor saying once to me that he said oh if they wanted to prevent road traffic accidents what they should do is ban ban, ban seat, the seatbelt ban the yeah. seatbelt yeah. put a metal and everyone has to have a metal spike on the steering wheel Yeah and then and then he yeah. said then we'll see people driving properly and I, not risking
0: I like this this man this, I like the <laughs> I like this like doctor <laughs> Who was it? Um, I think it was uh, Brad Lewis. Do you remember uh, yeah, Assault right. on Lake Casitas? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he was. I, there was something there. I think it was in one of his books about about you know um, uh, taking the guard off the saw, yeah. off the power saw, yeah, yeah. because it made you pay attention better. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, hmm. yeah. It's yeah. the
2: live blade. It's the. It's yeah. kind of. It, it's a lot of. I mean, yeah. I think you could take it out even just out of the like protection thing. I think it's, um, you're, you're putting yourself into an element where you have to force attention, otherwise failure as a result or bodily harm or whatever the the thing is. And and I think when, when, when we think about our practice, it's kind of, we're, we're trying to, um, use physical training in whatever realm, it could be strength and, you know, breathing hard, doing all the long stuff. And we're just trying to amplify attention. Right, attention towards sensitivity, towards what's going on internally, externally, kind of all around. It's just like a force multiplier for your attention. And that's why I've always, we've always kind of kind of uh, gotten away from where people want, like, oh, well, I, I don't want to learn any of that. I just want to, you just tell me what to do. And we're like, well, <laughs> well <laughs> that's the opposite of what we're trying to do in here. We're trying to like magnify your own attention so I don't have to pay attention to you. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be a babysitter. And I think a lot of the best aspects of sport amplify attention. You're you're, they require it from, from the user more. And I think a lot of our culture is trying to dumb down attention or sell attention. Like they're just capturing people's attention, monetizing it. That, that's essentially what an algorithm is. And, and I think, when you notice that you really look at like, what is the most valuable, what is the most valuable thing in our society? And you're like, well, it's attention according to Google, because if they can get it, they they can own countries, they can own data, they can own everything. Cause that's that man. So, well, what do I do then? you're like, pay attention right like pay attention to yourself pay attention to your behavior and don't give attention to things that you don't want to make valuable. i was
0: gonna say pay attention don't give attention right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. another yeah <laughs> just, just the was, wisdom is just it's flowing just flowing in here <laughs> yeah it's really it's
2: really bizarre I, maybe that that's what's always fascinated me about um Using weapons of any sort, but guns specifically, like man, the amount of tension that it takes. Um, I w-
1: oh, well, I was well, I was uh, teaching just uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's. I always bring it up about you know the um, the grip grip holding the weapon, mm-hmm. the grip, and I always say to all these uh, you know students, I'm saying it's my biggest fault, is my attention. It's because I'm shooting. I'm shooting my handgun, and I'm doing great and what i'm doing is i'm thinking about instead of thinking about the grip of the weapon i'm thinking about how awesome i am and i'm going oh yeah i'm really smashing these targets down all of a sudden i start missing <laughs> yeah <laughs> because i'm and then actually it's like why why is this happening obviously this is yeah. done really fast but then i think cuz i'm not thinking about the fundamentals and gripping my weapon i'm just thinking
2: about me and how good i am this so. this is this is a universe. you could talk about weapons but this just came up in playing music uh, the sa- literally identified the same way. There's this theory that goes through music that um, is a weird one, but bear with me. That you are not actually responsible for the music, that the music is being channeled through the universe, whatever you want to call it. And, and you are just the conduit that is discovering these notes and patterns in a way that allows other people to experience them. That's the toxically humble way to put it. Because you have to practice attentively to be able to transmit certain things. But the reason why they go off of that theory is because there's this point that comes when you're playing music, there's, you know, obviously you're taught yourself certain things, whether it's piano, guitar, it doesn't really matter. You've taught yourself these patterns and you've repeated them so much that they're not in your conscious field, that they're in your, just your body, your body is really attuned to the rhythms and it can feel literal tone differences right like my hearing if you're playing very fast my hearing actually isn't keeping up it's it's like i can feel the music in my body and i can feel with my vocal cords
0: doesn't line up to a certain degree but when mind steps outside of the action and starts observing self yeah or that's and it's the exact same thing with with Pro- shooting is problems like, occur. Boom, there's a separation. Yeah. You you become unwhole in yeah. the experience. You you, you yeah. become two of you. Yeah. And the observer you fucks the doer you. Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: Every time you do this, you go. I'm getting it. I sound really good. I'm fucking. And you fuck up. And you go. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm ruining it. I'm the worst ever. And you have this like switch that happens. You go. Why the fuck did I get in my own way? Like it just maybe that maybe that's why just learning to shoot man okay it's one of those things where you're going to practice really hard for uncountable amounts of hours and at the range and uncountable amount of you know bullets down range targets ruined fuck ups just so you can be able to do this one skill for when it matters yeah that is bizarre yeah. to me
1: and it the, the and again it's a mindset that we could try and sort of uh what i try to better 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 at Mm. is saying that no one kept we talked about earlier about no one cares yeah so this whole thing of if you're on the range and you suck the chances are unless you do something dangerous that instructor isn't going to go to bed that night isn't going to go to bed that night thinking oh, i can't believe how bad christine was today yeah what they're going to they're not they don't care but you're but you're probably beating yourself up about going oh that was really bad and and what it's must a, you think of me? And, and it's the same thing. And I was talking about riding my motorbike, thinking that every, every person in every car is like a professional motorbiker or motorcyclist, <laughs> whatever you're what you going to call it. And they're looking at me going, oh, I did all that wrong. He yeah. did that wrong. He <laughs> sucks. He's really. And then what I realized was no one cares. And then it was nope. just, and then all of a sudden, the ride and, in the bike was much more enjoyable, and it was just and good. And if you're it was on going, a going motorcycle,
0: with not only do they not care, they don't even see you. Yeah, yeah. well, they, in <laughs> they're Utah in anyway. Car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're just on here. their phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, that is,
2: I mean, that's a that's a really, I, I, we talked about it for quite a while because yeah. I think it's a good, but I find it, it it's more likely that somebody with like, quote-unquote, imposter syndrome, which I, I think is also, kind of pervasive among people that learn well they're just always afraid that they're not learning fast enough or good enough or to a level that matters which is what drives you to keep learning quickly Um, but i I think it can become kind of like it's a it can become a toxic quality if you never realize your own skill for what it is or you let the thought of somebody else's opinion of you dictate your actions yeah a a
1: good i think an example of this was is dancing dancing? Mm. like I remember being told when I was young that I'm a shit dancer and I kind of maybe I am I think I am but this is the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am sober anyway and then <laughs> but this is the thing and a, and a neighbour of mine in, in uh, Salt Lake um, she was saying a young son he's you know, a young teenager he's got like confidence issues and that's what I said is to tell him that no one cares and I said a good example is if someone comes up to me and says do you want to dance up until very recently I would always went no hmm. because because I'm just too conscious of what everyone else is thinking but what I realize is when I'm out there dancing no one's really looking at me going yeah. look at him he's all out of step or whatever he's dad dancing whatever. he's just they they don't care yeah and it actually makes me and it looks worse if you say I'm not dancing than dancing badly then <laughs> yeah if, in and in, and in, 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 for any young men out there I'd say you know not so much get good at dancing but get comfortable at dancing because it will serve you well in the
2: future well, when you're in your 20s the, the strange, yes. <laughs> Yeah, i mean the strange thing but, about that that one particular thing is like there you're so worried about the perception that it makes the enjoyment of the act seem out of balance yeah. but the enjoyment of the act that you want to actually do far outweighs the, the bad opinions that somebody could hold over you, especially if you negate them. Like, oh, that person thinks I'm stupid for doing this, but they don't know how good I feel when I do this. Exactly, I think yeah. of the same yeah. thing with music. You're like, I don't care that you don't enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I'll still be self-conscious about whether it's shitty or not because I'm trying to get better, but I would never let... This happened when I was like learning a song. Uh, one of Aaron's clients came in and I was just like, I, I, I'm like a very like I have to do it this way I have to learn the chords and I have to learn the rhythm and then I come back and I have to apply the word and then I have to the, the lyrics layer on top of that and then I try to blend it after it's all together but it's like very formulaic it's very like beginnerish and she came in and she's like oh you're out of tune and I was like no shit you're overweight yeah. what, do you want other reminders of reality <laughs> like, what, like yeah. what what do you yeah, of course I am because I haven't learned that part yet but but I'm not going to let yeah. your opinion of what I'm doing
0: ruin it. So yeah. maybe it was a bit at least you are responding to an actual opinion. True. Whereas yeah. when you decide not to accept the invitation to dance, mm. you are responding to your own expectation about someone else's opinion yeah. or their yeah. expectation, which which then, as we've just yeah. discussed, doesn't you, actually exist. Because if
1: you get back picture. in one of your mates, says, hey, you, you can't dance for shit. Yeah, but at least I did dance. Yeah and that's it for sure exactly and i went home with the girl motherfucker yeah that's it yeah the (laughs) the next morning yeah yeah. bish bish, bash bosh (laughs) joke done
2: (laughs) yeah i I think this is this is funny because i hear uh, i heard this the other day from somebody because they were talking to aaron about she learned she's learning shooting and she's like enjoying the hell out of it like man it's like it's such a good experience so good for her brain and this other girl's like oh i i could never do that i would never be good at it and she's like that's true yeah, a hundred everyone's like, Yeah, okay, but she wanted to be like provoked into like, No, you should. Yeah. And so a lot of the time I think this kind of, to like kinda of segue because you teach a lot of this stuff that you don't use as a profession anymore, but you obviously think that it's useful. Um, uh, when you're teaching this aspect, obviously it's just technical gun work, tactics, strategy, esoteric parts of like thinking about coming into bad situations and having a good outcome. Is that kinda of like to sum up maybe what i i think you do um but really what i see that you do is you you've like honed yourself to be a person that can respond appropriately to any given situation is that what you think about when you teach these things hoping that like the minutia of uh controlling a gun and a grip and you know finding your sights and all of that stuff will eventually make somebody calm or confident enough to respond correctly in a dire situation
1: yeah and so so the 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 two factors of that is firstly is addressing what the situation is mm. and for shooting it's for killing people yeah and people even in the gun community sort of dance around that <laughs> it's <laughs> like hey this is if you want to shoot for sport that's fine yeah. but if you if you come to me and you want me to teach you it's like this is because at some point you may have to use lethal force mm-hmm. and 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 the detail that I go into and 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 when when someone's had a class by me they go I didn't expect that. I thought I'd be like jumping, doing forward rolls or jumping through <laughs> windows and, and things. And I said, that's in class three. This is class one. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is like- <laughs> You know, work this. your way through the curriculum, yeah. man. But, but it's, it's super basic as you saw with Aaron. It's like really yeah. like tiny little things because this it is does. what I th- think is, when that moment comes, typically it's not at a time of your choosing, it's mm-hmm. not in an area of your choosing mm-hmm. and the conditions aren't of your choosing. So everything is going against you so what we do is we revert back to the very like the, the very it, it hopefully it sets the foundation it's a bit like what I say like maths or math mm. is that if you get it wrong at the very very beginning all the all the formulas oh, onwards just, are yeah. wrong yes. so it comes back to this level too. so in theory I'm teaching it the easy what seems like easy stuff mm. but what I made the mistake of recently I said to people oh do you know how to use a gun yes turns out that <laughs> out of the out of the five people, no one no one really yeah. knew yeah. how to use a gun. Yeah. To, to what I what I define as using Wait, a gun. You mean you, I've seen one on TV before? Yeah, meaning they, <laughs> that what they took was I'd fired a gun before. Yeah, oh, I kind of know how one works. But, yeah. but this is what I was saying is in a high what I call high stress high stress shooting or combat shooting, but high stress shooting or high stress marksmanship, you could say, is everything has to be down to this like m- this, this basic level mm-hmm. and that's what you, because re- that's what you fall back on, it's consistency. Yeah. So all well and good if you were gonna use these little drills and look fast on Instagram and mm-hmm. do this and be like, oh yeah, I can do that in sub one second, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's consistency, can you do that all the time?
0: Can you yeah. do it all the time? Yeah. And the answer Any might be yes.
1: And, it, and it's a bit like, um, here we go with the analogies. It's a bit like learning Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to make yourself hard. Mm. so it's a bit like so if you go down the line of going hey I'm going to be I want to be a really good shot and then you devote 10 years of your life into marksmanship mm. then you get into a fight and then you get into a gunfight that marksmanship on the day will carry you through because mm. you revit because you've got a lot of training just like if you do 10 years of jiu-jitsu when you get into a street fight you're going to be. that's probably going to help you get through that street fight no matter what yeah. how it looks because you're a, potentially a black belt of jiu-jitsu on the flip side of that, if you then just go, I'm going to do a little bit of gun gunfighter training or marksmanship training, then you get into a gunfight, it will only work if you know the set piece, like some maybe some set pieces or yeah. some basics that will set a foundation, which will make, then you using other skills will then help you succeed. Yeah. Similar to like if you did jujitsu, if you just did a few sessions here and there, then yeah. got into a street fight, potentially that jujitsu isn't going to help you. Right. Some, but if you learn some of the foundations of jujitsu, some of the basics, yeah. that might aid you and set you up well for success in that street fight. Does yeah. that
2: make sense? Yeah, and it's it's interesting at that level to because I I honestly think this is true If like if most people, most if anybody, if any person, um, just got up to a blue belt, so you're talking like two years of jujitsu, they would be better than ninety percent of people, right? Uh, in 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 a scenario that would utilize that skill. There's striking, there's other stuff that would make it obsolete. But for the most part, your body awareness would help you immensely. Like just, just the most basic level of jujitsu. And, and I think it's hard to recognize that pattern, but I'm starting to see it now that I've been shooting, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand rounds or whatever. You start to, oh... Oh shit, I called my shot. Like I could actually see it happen yeah, you know for the happens. first yeah. time. Yeah. As opposed to like I blink, I have to go check. Did I hit it? Yeah, I hit it. No, I didn't hit it. Where did it go? Went to the left and down. Why did that happen? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm like anticipate there's like a whole list of
0: things that you go you're through. You're right handed, right? Yeah. Left and down.
2: Yeah, it's anticipation.
0: Could be the three amigos, too. Oh.
2: <laughs> there you
0: go. I mean
2: there's there's lots of fucked I mean, up you're shots with me. Squeezing. Yeah yeah my input yeah Yeah. too much input on the right hand um (laughs) anyway (laughs) but, but no it's but but an experienced person can see little things and 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 decipher them out and i think you're i think if you take out all of all of the potential like catastrophic events that people pretend to actually people don't even pretend to prepare for them they pretend to arm themselves for them but they're not actually training or preparing for catastrophe they're just arming themselves for catastrophe which is next to pointless Um, I think if you, if you start looking at, um, these practices, kind of how you did, like, if I just refine these things, then I have more time for awareness. I have more time to pay attention Mm -hmm. to what's going on. Man, I don't see a reason why everybody shouldn't learn marksmanship or everybody shouldn't learn jujitsu or something that just takes like refined detail, uh, attention and years and years of used to yeah. make it make it a useful skill, and so what? I What I kind of getting at is that the fact that
1: we work on the very basics. Um, obviously, that goes into advanced stuff, but we we work it so you're not actually thinking about when you're pulling the trigger. You know, you're pulling the trigger, and, you, and you're not worried about missing because potentially, statistically, it's going to be really close range. Mm-hmm. I know people might say there's that guy shot at forty yards, whatever, yeah. but the but but like I say, it's going to potentially be a or is going to be a close range, but there's so much else going on. And yeah. I want your mind to be able to think about that
2: process. Another example. And of if
0: this, 90% of your mental horsepower is taken up with manipulation of the mm-hmm. tool that you have, then you've got 10% left for yeah. the awareness. Uh, Flip that and then, then you have a, a much greater uh, capacity to influence the outcome. Another example of this, I, I'm not, I'm not an
1: aviator or a pilot. But apparently the F-35 is an extremely easy aeroplane to fly. Re- that's what I heard. It's okay. really easy. And the reason being, they said we want it to be easy to fly because the pilot isn't, when he's planning to drop bom- bombs on tiny targets and yeah. other things, he shouldn't be spending devoting... A, a huge percentage of his mental capacity to fly in to, the aeroplane he should be doing the math and doing all the other yeah. calcs and the other things and and doing tactical evaluations rather than flying the aeroplane that's why I, and i i hope that's true that's what i heard it was a, yeah, a really actually, easy aeroplane to fly
0: i mean just as a as a philosophical underpinning of system design that is where everything should go yeah is like okay to, to to uh precision shooting sits on a foundation of uh solid position let's yeah. say and if you can always assume the position and especially and if you said like okay the statistically it's going to happen at close range hey if if I always you know when I present the weapon if my sternum is always pointing in the same direction as the weapon then all I got to do is turn towards the threat and the gun is going to be there and this mm-hmm. is the, and 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 I don't need to think about th- this part of uh but my ability to To make a precise shot from that position should be something that I I can focus on because I didn't, because I had the extra awareness and attention because I didn't need it for all of the administrative uh,
1: setting. And it goes back to the whole, like I said earlier, and I should have, people, people might be, all the gun people will be going crazy, but... It's like, yeah, it they, they might. We'll sit, never
0: not go crazy about something.
1: Statistically, it's going to be at a short range, but that's yeah. why we practice at a long range and aim small. So yeah. when it's super yeah. easy, when we've got to shoot someone at four yards away, when we've been hit, hitting a target from 20, 25 yards away yeah. plus, then we've got to engage at lesser distances. It's less time-thinking. So oh, this is easy.
2: Yeah. This is, yeah. Um, you said something that was actually pretty interesting. Where um, if I, because we have these rules in jujitsu, right? they're not rules, they're, they're like, interesting guidelines that the best in the sport come up with They yeah. can't be hard fast rules because people will misinterpret them but essentially there's like my spine and your spine well your hip line and my hip that's line. what I, I don't know if Aaron told you what I, that's my one of my things is this,
1: this if all else fails go back to the center line yeah. yeah yeah is revert back if it's all everything clouding in is the center line if i'm stood opposite a target that is roughly the same size and shape as me and this and i hold a weapon system in the center yeah. of my body then in theory when i pull the trigger the first shot yeah will will hit the target yeah. because whereas we know if we don't hold it properly and do other things second third fourth yeah, yeah other things but, can but happen but the first shot should there should be no reason why the first shot does not hit the target yeah and that's what what i say to young people coming in new to the start or people new to the sport is Go back to the, the center line that's what i call it the center line
2: yeah the, i mean that that makes uh sense and then the the actually the example of the airplane kind of solidified this other idea of like i'm training my body to sense uh in jujitsu another body or my body to sense where the target is right like my my foot position is to engage whatever to, it needs to be kind of in between theoretically two targets that i'm engaging or three if i step a little bit wide or like whatever so that my body is sensitive uh, my brain isn't needed. Then my brain can focus on the other things. What are the what are the threats doing? Or like, what is the jujitsu player doing with his body? Is he aggressive? Do I need to fight off this? Um, you're really, and that, I think that comes back down to the 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 body sensitivity is infinite, right? You can train your sensitivity in your body awareness to be infinite. I can I can you know I can be aware of what's going on my toes, my knee, pretty much any. Any nerve that is touching something, you have an, a, an automatic intuition or awareness of if you train it appropriately in the right environment. And that way, the brain can be preserved for very pinpoint-focused things that it needs to do. And that might be the whole point of any kind of training, is just to sensitize the body to as much degree as possible uh, it, so that the brain can alleviate and then work out, it just observe. Right? It can always be free to kind of observe what's going on. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. Hypothetical. <laughs> 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 yeah, so like that's a good example of that is
1: when we say we're, we're shooting. And for those who don't know, when you say oh, I pulled a shot, it means one of your shots have gone rogue too. But you seem to know that the, the minute you pull the trigger. And in, so you kind of know that in theory, you you, you know that round's going to miss without it even before to hit the target, mm. but we've sensed it and it's timed in. Uh, again, I'm speaking out of lane, but a friend of mine who used to climb, he said that um, when you, when he first learned to climb, he had to climb, the coach says climb barefooted mm-hmm. and like blindfolded and things and you feel the rock or yeah. is a, it's just
0: become one with the rock face
1: and
0: mm. I, I mean, the, the barefoot thing, um, kind of useful the blindfold is way more useful, because you know. Yes, you're searching uh, for a, a means to progress, um, but then once you grab this hold, the, the the body sensitivity that you're like, oh, well, if I if 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 the powerful position to hold this is in this way, then I need to orient my body in position uh, uh, in relation to that, and if you think of things. There was a, a there was a there was a um yet when you could see the same hold, you might treat it differently. You're the this the by, by restricting one of the senses or or you know, um you are amplifying the ability of the other senses. Um and and, and I and I think that you know that that can uh happen in a, in a number of different ways. It could be the blindfold and we used to you know, cleverly use the blindfold in the, in the gym a little bit, it's not the same. Um, but there was a, a, a one season where I was kind of under contract to do, you know, work on this book. And this book was all about ice climbing and I had just come off a series of injuries and I came back to the winter season really weak. And all of the, you know, and I would get up on these roots and the, the, the problems I would f- formerly have solved with strength because that was the tool that was, you know, it was one of my things. Was like always be, you know, more strong. Always be more fit. Always, and then you start, you know, using that particular skill as the only skill to apply to a problem. Come at these same, you know, problems being really weak and like, being, oh, I can't fucking pull like I used to. I need to figure out how to solve the problem in the in in the in the same way so i restricted essentially the same thing that you know you're talking about my as i restrict one of my senses my you know senses in air quotes um that being strength or you know the power to just lock off and you know fucking pull um but no i need to move around i need to move my body in in a different more efficient way my the by you know closing off one avenue of progression I am I'm obliged to use another when we first started trying to you know learn the Olympic lifts there was no concept that we could understand of moving our body around the bar hmm. it was moving the bar like that was the the objective was to move the bar i there's a floor there's me there's space I'm moving the bar from here hmm. to here and then you start to realize later as, you know, that, no, 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 it's not that I'm moving my body around this rather than trying to use my body to move it. And I, I feel like even with, you know, the, I mean, there's, there's a huge advantage, uh, to maybe using, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a SIM gun or, or, or one of the CERT pistols, you know, and being blindfolded of like okay the target is here you present you know you orient yourself you know in the direction you know where does it come where does it come up all the time what happens with um, the tool has to be in relation to the body Mm -hmm. in, in, in relationship with the body in some way that I think is the sensitivity that we're all ultimately seeking but I don't know I feel like you know being older and that I decided to you know, try and learn to, you know, overwrite 25 years of shooting with iron sights by learning to shoot with a red dot on a pistol. And man, it is not going well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It just, I I can, you know, present and... That's (laughs) that's where it ends. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's I don't want to say it's not going well. It's not an automatic transition, sure, though, in the way because, you know every you know the, the the presentation in the past was a, a, a certain way to catch the front sight yeah. first yeah. and then and then yeah, it's like a... you know move out and now i and um kyle DeFore he was just like oh yeah you've got 25 years of shooting with iron sights when you present with a red dot the the, the you're always going to be slightly high the dot's going to be high 11 or high 12 o'clock and He goes, that's where you need to find it think about your you know think about your 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 uh for your pinky finger yeah i'm like god damn it and he's absolutely he's been he's been absolutely right yeah he's like it's gonna take you at least a thousand rounds and i've i've done more than a thousand presentations dry but not a thousand rounds uh not quite yet yeah probably probably at the 500 point with with the dot on the gun do you know what sucks about that is like um going the other direction
2: going back to iron sights after learning red dot Uh phenomenally better oh so much better, like going like, oh, this is fucking easy now. Like it didn't, it, the transferability is like different. It's interesting. There, yeah.
0: Maybe I just expect the, you know, the miracle of the red dot. You <laughs> so, <know? laughs> like, uh, I mean, one thing that is, is it, it's, that, that is, um, has been easier mm-hmm. is shot to shot transitions because yeah. it's far easier to track the dot than it is to track yeah, the front yeah. side yeah that's interesting it's the first you know i'm counting on body position to put the first you know and center line let's say to put the first one on target and if that's a, and if i can get that then the then the following the, the follow easier. up and target transitions is um maybe
2: you'd actually easier. know uh maybe you'd know about this a little bit our friend what did we call uh, james james james, yes. james yeah so our friend yes. james who has been a guest on the podcast um uh, he implied, he was who taught me, you know, my core, I would say he's responsible for my foundation of shooting knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started with a red dot. So that's like, he was like, okay, it's important to do it this way. When you, when you come at it and what he talked about, he alluded so to. he's lazy Jay kind of, right? No, or um, up high and out, like he okay. drops it from the top. Okay. So a little bit of angle and drops it from the top, which is uh, from his, um, professional work that would be there technical what they've refined interesting uh different yeah really hard to pick up on but i noticed i i kind of do it now i resisted a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, but he talked about the difference between uh audio and visual cueing for rapid firing and how if you can uh, most everybody right off the bat is auditory right their auditory response to when they can fire then the bang 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 so you get that staccato that happens bop 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 and how that, if you can get past that point, if you can erase that, you can learn to shoot visually where you're driving the dot. So you can actually shoot faster because the, the auditory system reacts faster, but the visual system drives faster. So I I do,
1: for, for, for me, just to come back in, and we don't want it, because if, especially if this is just audio, it won't make much sense. Yeah. yeah. But from <laughs> for me, from presentation, again, this is why I'm talking about high stress shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I present my, my, bring my gun up in a completely different way from retention yeah. because I I I bring it up with the with the with the view to maybe I'm going to be shooting before I have a side picture. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. why I always factor in, and for me that works in nicely. And I think I chatted to you briefly a few months back about how the for me how I bring my red dot yes into into action, and yeah. and for me it seems to work pretty well. But to your point as well, going back, I've shot more red dot in the last. Yeah, than i have done in my military career mm. but going back onto iron sights yeah it's much better and i mm. think it's a bit like riding a motorbike then going back to a car yeah it's yeah. like it's yeah. just in its own little way it's brought me back onto things i didn't because again because you're looking for it because you were out of your comfort zone it's brought you back into now you're forgetting about the little things and everything's a bit easier yeah. with regards to rapid fire yeah there's the audible you hear that and it sounds you know make that music but, but 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 whatever but for me it's more of the again it's the the in with the weapon i I feel i well now when I feel the pistol recycle mm-hmm. the time then again I'm getting that response mm-hmm. and that's how sometimes you know you put out and you go hey that was that was pretty good and it wasn't anything to do when we listen to the weapon or even seeing yeah the target it was how the weapon felt in my hand yeah. whether it be from my grip and trigger trigger press or trigger pull um it's actually how the weapon was recycling because it was more the feel than it was the noise. If that, yeah, for, yeah, yeah,
2: that's like a kinetic uh, thing. And, and just to like clarify, because I know gun people get really weird. You can't say anything. But Erin, uh, she assures me that the best coaching she ever gets is from comments on her Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <From> people <laughs> correcting shit from her. But yeah. To, yeah. so the institution um this fellow is associated with uh admittedly are building in delays because of the scenarios that they're putting in so the, if they see uh draw and shoots faster than like you know one and a half seconds i think it's 1.5 yeah. yeah it's too too fast they want like they want after 1.5 because they want some decision making pulled into yeah. it so that they don't make a mistake on civilian kind of deal, but I, there is a difference. I mean, there. there's yeah. an argument, that, but that's again, that's yeah. one of the factors. When I was teaching school teachers about mm. on different holds,
1: and one of the particular one where gun people were going, why are you teaching that? That's not efficient. And, and I argued it was because mm. one of the things that because it's a finish inefficiency, if you like, mm. gives. And I said the first person who comes into that room might not be the threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably not going to be the threat. Yeah. So it just gives you that maybe half a second mm, not to yeah. pull the trigger rather than being super quick and going, oh, that's how we'd say it on Instagram. Yeah. That's yeah, how, <laughs> that's how, yeah. Beep. beep oh, gun. man. Yeah, yeah. 0.75. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, and, you know, because sometimes you're going to, and you're going to always argue, oh, that, that 0.1 of a second might have saved your life. Yeah. Could have. But I'd rather be killed than kill someone I didn't want to kill. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I had this, when I first started working with, um, one of the let's we'll just call it a sister unit and um and I would always shoot with them um as part you know during the uh whatever period when I was not teaching and we'd go to the range and this and that and and I was coming from a competitive background and their background you know, background of this organization is quite different. And they the, one guy joked one day, he goes he goes, I don't know how to fuck with you and I'm like, What? He goes, I just put this timer up next to your ear and you'll put two in everybody in the room <laughs> like, and he won't care. Be, and, like, and he goes, and you would do it without even thinking. And I'm like, yeah, especially if they're dressed in khaki. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, look like cardboard. <laughs> look, like, card, look like Ipsic look targets. Which, because there's no think because when you, when um, practicing for games, there's no, there's not really any thinking. Mm-hmm. You get the opportunity to rehearse the stage beforehand. Yeah. Unless it's you know an IDPA match, but then you know you do that for enough seasons and you know every scenario and come up with, and so you've already prepared. But um, but in Ipsic and that kind of thing, you get to, you get a stage walkthrough and you work out how you're going to do it, right. and then you get to go do it, and so it just pr- it trains you to think in a very different way. And then, then the first time I ended up in a school where there's actual scenarios to solve with you know op four yeah. or simulation kind of things, yeah, you just realize like man, I need to slow down. Yeah. I I yeah. ran it I ran it when I was again on the teaching the um the school
1: teacher thing. I came up with a drill. It's a really simple drill and I called it the Guardian Angel drill. Okay. And I'm not I can't really discuss it because it wouldn't make sense to people, but <laughs> but what was interesting what the whole idea was it was all about using your gun but maintaining situational awareness and making decisions and giving up passing orders because as a, as as a school teacher that is what you it's not just about holding having a gun and shooting a bad guy it's about protecting all the little ones h- keeping control of them yeah. making a decision and being aware of everything that's going on on you yeah. so it was it was interesting to do again it's it's this is a tr- the true story but the, the the most experienced shooter in the room who was who was pretty good he was he was really good actually shooting the targets when we when we when we did the last drill at the end this guardian angel drill he was the one who froze when he had to do the, take the shot he took the shots better than everyone else when he took them but there was that noticeable it might have been yeah. it might have been less than half a second but it was a pause and no one else had that pause and it's interesting because maybe he'd been conditioned all his life to be shooting targets yeah. and just and that's what I say anyone shooting targets and there's probably a, a load of people who can shoot better than me but it's about what I do is teach you about taking these skills and then putting them into a high stress situation and oh. and that's not throwing this guy under the bus it was but it was just to highlight he was the best shot but he was the only one who really froze
2: when we did this when we did the training well i think you see this in i mean i see this in gym space there's there's people who are phenomenal at training and then they're terrible at competing and there's people that are very good at competing but they're awful at training mm-hmm. right? like it's like I need the real life thing to act accordingly. I'm terrible about mimicking it. Like I can't I can't rehearse very well. I'm not a good rehearsal person.
1: And I think this goes into, it maybe the kind of flow, flow state because I was thinking of an incident I was involved with in it and I, and I just did it. Mm. And I didn't give any thought. I, I did give it lots of thought, thought, but I was, I just did it. And I was thinking if that had been like, if I'd been pulled aside and said, right, we're gonna do a training scenario you on the spot, Uh, we're going to evaluate how you perform under this situation i think i probably would have like performed really badly Mm. at it again i don't know why because it's the same thing it's test conditions yeah but maybe like we're saying we're going back we're going to do that circling back into will or need whereas now there's no safety belt and there's a spike on my steering wheel i've got to drive better now there's there's no safety net it's not like hey if you fail you fail and you get to do it again or we you get a bad report because failure means death yeah it's same as climbing a you know climbing on a climbing wall with a safety line rather than climbing on your own protection yeah every every the decision you make death focuses you
0: as does risk yeah i mean we circle back to you know a little bit of the um, earlier part of the conversation, I think that the you know one of the values of those consequences is to enforce um, uh, right action or right decision making in, in, uh, in the circumstances. And you know, I used, used for a long time I mocked the you know the value of the wooden sword, let's say, or the the value of the dojo. But then realized after spending a bunch of time with guys who do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and you're just like, well. This is the, they're actual. This is a, a a martial art where you can actually practice at, you know, full speed or full force in a way, whereas with the striking and let's say, you know, kendo with a live blade, yeah, be a little bit different. You wouldn't get many reps. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to accumulate the volume, um, and. Uh, and i think that, that this um that there there is absolute value to both you know i want to be able to train in relatively safe circumstances i mean the advent of the indoor rock gym proved this i mean just in, hmm. just improved the level of you know anybody who could you know practice in that artificial environment um rather than hey i'm going to go out and you know solo all the time and try and get better at it yeah hmm. You know you' psycho- you know again, you're not going to get that many reps, you're not going to get a lot of volume because yeah. it's psychologically so so difficult. And um, but there is value of going out without the rope in my opinion. Um, there is value of riding a motorcycle mm-hmm. in my opinion, just for the um, the demand that you increase uh, your awareness and presence. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you start a, you know, meaning gets assigned to the task and not arbitrarily assigned by the, 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 the person doing the task.
2: Yeah. The, the, what I, about that point talking to other guys that have jobs that are high cortisol demand, I think then the balance to find is like, are you, are you becoming so numb to situations where you're not responding? Like if, if I, like, let's say I, I didn't use a rock gym and all I did was climb, free solo stuff. you like, eventually you're kind of tuning yourself in the almost the wrong way. Like your association with risk then becomes unrealistic on the other side of it where you're not associating things that I should probably uh, pay attention to. In, in my own, it was like, uh, I was training Muay Thai I was uh, racing road bikes, uh, I mean like motorcycles, I was drifting, I was rock climbing at the time and I was snowboarding. And you're like, I had no real association with fear of heights, no association with fear of speeds mm-hmm. and I was losing a lot of respect for something that I should have a really healthy respect for. And it wasn't until I crashed on my snowboard off of a like little, it was only like a 20 foot little dropper that I kind of backflipped off of and didn't go so well, and I was kind of injured for a little bit. And I was like, "All right, I think it's just a numbers game at this point." Right? Isn't but, there
1: examples? I'm sure you, you have some of people who have been top of the game at one point in their life and really, and they die doing something really trivial. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah.
2: how did that happen? Uh, Michael Schumer is a good example of that. I, I think like it might have been total. Uh, Michael Schumer, the F1 racer. Oh. Schum- Schumacher. 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 Yeah. Schumacher. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I think I know who you were talking about. Like like, Schumacher. Yeah. yeah. So, because it was a skiing accident of yep. somebody who normally goes 250 miles an hour on a racetrack as a living. And just, I mean, he's an avid skier. And then a freak accident happened. But you got to imagine that has something to do with his association with risk. Anybody in that category, especially F1 at a young age, you're like their amygdala is not the same as other people. To a, to a certain degree I don't know if that's true but yeah I don't it's total speculation but I, I, yeah. I think I think I start to see it in you know well you take like Tra- Trevor's probably a good example of somebody who has a healthy respect but is really like towing the line for how much he jumps and and does you know extreme sports activities yeah his cortisol can't be the same from just his profession and his jumping like all of his it, it's kind of like and i don't don't think of him as thrill-seeking but i gotta imagine that his response to certain things is mitigated i think it's a healthy way but i could see how that would go the other way really quickly if you weren't paying attention to it
1: i know one thing for certain and i'm not i'm not a motorbike a motorbike you call them you call them motorcycles yeah i'm not a motorcycle salesman but i i hadn't ridden in 11 years and i and i and i bought the ducati Mm. um and when I rode it for the first time, it was it was all it's it's been really good and it's been a good experience. But I tell you what, after the first time, I felt different. Yeah. And the best way, and it wasn't a bad feeling; it was a good feeling. And I'm not, and I wasn't doing anything outrageous. But I was like, ah, that's triggered. I thought, I thought to myself, that's triggered something. Yeah. And it was good, and it was just like a thing of like, all oh, right, it's you know when you say I felt I felt more alive after yeah. coming back, and it's just a little thing from riding a riding a motorbike around Salt Lake City
2: i think well talking to some you know some guys who have similar backgrounds maybe not as extensive as yours but they uh man they come back and they they actually they're so inoculated to stress that they don't have a stress response and that becomes a problem in its own right like nothing can kind of unnerve them and then they have a hard time responding and so i've had a couple conversations with people picking up extreme activity um rock climbing you know skydiving stuff like that just so they can like get their body to shuttle those chemicals again to turn the brain on in a, in a different manner and that might be maybe some in, in in some aspect maybe what you experience on a on a motorcycle um man i had a ducati 900 supersport sport for a little bit and then i had a monster that aaron sold when i was out of the country <laughs> and i can only say that i'm pretty glad that she sold it it's like that i was going nowhere good on a motorcycle um not that people i just i'm not that responsible of a person Mm.
0: like i just i floor it i it's um would you uh like have a um in the uk would you be interested in riding a motorbike i would do but where i currently live in the uk i haven't got a, a garage so I'm okay. gonna wear a storm a
1: motor, motorbike.
0: Yeah. So it's something I'll get round to you. Uh, I marvel that a friend of ours, who you know, George, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he basically commutes on his motorcycle every day from his house he commutes down to the train station, then takes the train into the city, works, da comes back. Um hell or high water, he's on the bike. And um it's like, man, I rode a motorcycle in Seattle for uh, year and a half two years Uh, and day (laughs) i man there's uh there's certain climatic conditions which are um less accommodating than others (laughs) especially (laughs) in the rubber to pavement yeah or uh uh interface let's say or the metal bridge grate yeah Uh,
2: (laughs) no kidding yeah some of the stuff becomes pretty sketchy i i it's it's interesting at least um I think thinking about risk and all the things that you've gone through, and kind of like without delving into any actual events, where do you see like where do you see your obviously immense skill with a lot of different things? Where do you see you applying yourself in civilian life now? Um, what I what I kind of
1: feel that I want to or where I want to take this is just to to help people to move them along and I know it sounds I mean the, the market's saturated with people saying you can do it and yeah. but I really want to try and take this to the next level of saying sometimes sometimes it's, it's all going to go wrong and it doesn't matter if you're in a special forces unit mm-hmm. or if you're in a, a if you're the CEO of a, of a company or in the shop floor of a factory one day something's going to go could go wrong badly mm. and it's just making sure people are um, equipped to deal with it, and try and, and and you know like whether it be encouragement or just like yeah, let's let's not beat around. Not everyone can do everything, but there's a lot of people who can do a lot of things, and there's a lot of people who can help people, and and there's a lot of so we it's just trying to dr- like drive people forward, whether that be shooting, whether that be situational awareness, or whether it's just a general life or management or leadership. That's where I kind of want to want to take it, and it's uh, because I think the. The thing for me is the story of, like, I came from a, I came from a working class background, and it's not, and I don't want to like rubbish people or whatever. And people will say, well, I, I knew Christian when he was younger; he was spoiled or whatever, and I'm bitter about this because my grandma used to buy me lots of things when I was about two or three years old. And then from then on end, everyone says, "Oh, he was spoilt when he was a kid." But anyway, and for anyone who's—I doubt they're from Northeast England—they won't be listening to this podcast. They, they probably don't even know what a podcast is. <laughs> for <laughs> sure, not I'm going to move back there, and they're going to yeah. burn me. But um, <laughs> but but no, seriously, the um, is like I came from a from a, a working class background with, and I think life set me up, like so, not life, but the society I was set up to fill. Mm. there was no two ways about it i was set up to be nothing and be nobody and just do my thing and then but because of you know by the inner motivation from elsewhere whatever just forced me down this line of thinking you know at the age of 47 i've personally met presidents royal family things like that because of because of who i am and what i did and I've got nothing to back me up. I'm not from yeah. when people say oh, I was from a bad area and then you dig deep and their dad was, their father was the local doctor or the headmaster yeah. of the school and, or the local magistrate or something. And you're like, well, you kind of were, but you weren't. Um, it's, 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 it's come up from nothing, from literally nothing. To them being something, and it's like there's, I think, veteran suicide. So not veteran suicide. It's so common that we say it all the time. It's um, suicide from white working class males is apparently through the roof. Oh, yeah. I haven't got any stats or information to back this up. I think suicide, young suicide, is through the roof anyway, but especially white working class males because because of social media. I think because of everything else, yeah. and because of the you know the breakdown of going out drinking. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing, in my opinion. But no matter how shit life used to be, working class men used to be able to go to the pub on a Friday and Saturday night mm. and you know what, drink it all away. whether they drink and get laid, whether they drink and have a fight, whether they just drink. but you know what? they had that communal meeting with all their friends. They talk about football, soccer, whatever they talk about life, they talk about bad stories, good stories, but they get drunk and they reset for Monday back to work doing the crap job, mm. whatever. That now has fallen away, so now young men are not only being reminded on social media how good everyone else's life is and how gl- brilliant it all looks, mm. the lies of it all, but also now there's no that whole drinking culture has now fallen away. So now there's
0: not even anything did to look forward to. And did that fall away basically as as um, in response to the pan- the pandemic th- early 2020, I, or was it already sort of? I
1: think it was. I think I was. I always think about this, and I think from about 2009 ish. That's when you started seeing the uh, it start to fall away. Again, I'm not going to do this much justice, but I did hear something about uh, the mathematical equation of yeah. the price of alcohol to the minimum wage. And it was in for for a lot of years, it was always a, a, a certain formula to Equal, it. Equilibrium. And then in a 2009, apparently, it crossed over. I think it was 2009. Um, it crossed over that that went out of balance and and then that's why people now it's too expensive to drink so so that's that's one of the main reasons why Uh, all of a sudden pubs especially in uk became very quiet and now they're all turned into restaurants but i think what's what's more important than drinking is that social bond and that's 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 not there Do you know at the end of the week yeah you can there's nothing so now young men doesn't or young men and women there's nothing to look forward to and as they see inflation going up, as they see yeah. house prices, are, everything's unattainable. They're like, "What is the point? What is the yeah. point?" And they look and 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 people don't. That's why I'm interested in in rock climbing and surfing and skydiving. Not so much, not so much the skydiving because that's expensive. But there's there's so many ex, extreme what we people call extreme sports that are there that put people on the edge but ironically or paradoxically maybe I'm not pull them back from the edge yeah yeah by by being on the edge you pull back from there and they're within reach and when I say reach
0: financially um and there's a there there is something that is pretty fascinating about those activities in in a way that you know maybe if uh you are um during whatever the activity is. Now, you might be by yourself, you might be with one other person. But then you enter in by doing these activities you enter into this um camaraderie, one mm-hmm. could say tribe, one you know, might say brotherhood, you know, however you want to describe it, where that that shared th- that experience, whether whether it's shared simultaneously with another person or just that you have both experienced it, that you've been to that edge and come back from it, then it gives you a mechanism of communication that um, or in circumstances within which to communicate and share and develop relationships with other people. But it's based on having had this sort of insight. And I think those are very valuable and necessary experiences even if that you know group or tribe of people that you enter into is isolated from society in general um, and you know and then people say derogatory things about oh yeah they, they don't uh, that's not accessible unless you do the thing they do and I'm like, well of course not <laughs> that's the way it should be um, but it I, I think those um, Maybe maybe the pub experience can get you into a, a similar sort of condition of human relationship with people um and I certainly wouldn't dis- you know discount it um but as it as an alternative and maybe a less expensive alternative, some of these other activities um are can be super valuable in in developing relationships and and sense of self mm-hmm. and And um, and then you know especially if you're doing a you know something where the you know there are very lethal consequences like I don't necessarily think skateboarding is an extreme sport but it was in the X Games I think or something, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but things with. you know, you start to develop maybe a little bit of a better perspective on what you see on your phone versus what is actually real. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. people
1: are living this life now and they're just, it's not me being, I'm not being all holy and going, Hey, get out and live your, live your life. Cause I know that it's not possible for some people, Yeah, but it's this whole thing of there's a, you know, find what works for people, for what works for you. And these people, these people there who are just looking at the phone, life sucks and they're killing themselves and because yeah. they're because from where they look there is no there is no get out and you know what i'm not gonna lie to them maybe there isn't yeah and and so what but the whole thing is no matter what you do you always will be missed so it doesn't matter how worthless you think you are by killing yourself you're gonna you're gonna you will be missed and uh and then on the flip side as well is like i said if people thinking about killing themselves even if you think "Oh, I won't be missed everyone hates me well don't give them the satisfaction if they do hate you do it out of stu- don't it do kill yourself out of stubbornness out- you might hate live life live but I, I would have killed myself yeah. 10 years ago if it wasn't for all the people I don't like wouldn't have been really happy about it so, so why are
2: you still alive I just have a lot of spite I'm yeah. just I'm just, <laughs> I'm just too angry to die <laughs> um, that's great I mean it, it, it's a Culture is definitely strange. I think most people can acknowledge how... People make kind of the same offhanded comment about how weird the world feels. Because it does... But I think it's also this natural curvature to population and disingenuous uh, subcultures. Like, uh, there's a good chance that none of us would be here unless we found a subculture that, like, anchored us climbing... I don't know, gym ratting and military stuff. Like it's just, and it shouldn't have to be that way. Subculture should be supported by genuine culture, which is sometimes it's nationally related. Sometimes it's just, you know, colloquially, whatever it ends up being. But, um, that stuff has really dissolved recently, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the past, like 20 years, this idea that you have a community. I mean, I experienced it when we went to bend last week, As we went there and we were staying in a, airbnb we walked down the river to like jump in the the river or whatever and there's like four neighbors out some were watering their lawns other guys were just messing around doing stuff every single one of them hey what's going on they hello where are you from haven't seen you here before there was like an immediate like all these people know each other and they're super aware and i was like it's like the opposite of where i live Mm -hmm. where i don't know i don't know my next door neighbor's name Uh, and he probably doesn't know mine it's just like this weird separation it's like is it my fault i don't know is it the the community's fault probably it's just like there's no real connection therefore there's no there's nobody checking in on each other it's too big right like it's too big of a community and therefore the community doesn't really like connect Um, and, and that's like a sad side effect of population growth and whatever you want industrialization of media, whatever you want to call it. It's like, it's a bunch of problems, but, um, yeah, there's, there's no real fix for it other than like, man, uh, subculture saved me. Like go find something that's kind of weird and get into it and you'll find people that have similar interests and maybe you can share some certain things and maybe that'll pull you away from the edge a little bit. That's a, yeah. it's probably a good take. Um, you want to mention anything else that you're working on? Good. No. Nice. I'm on the dole. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, well, I, do, I, I appreciate
1: you coming out. Uh, no, it's really, uh, really good to be here, and yeah, I've got, I have to have to get away and do some yeah. do some stuff, and for sure. But I uh, could have spent a lot more time here to chatting, maybe. Maybe do another one yeah for so, sure yeah. well
2: either way well we go to the uk actually especially now that travel's open we're over there mm-hmm. quite often so maybe we'll run into there maybe come back it'd be always good to have you like it's it's been really cool to have you come train and share stories and travel a little bit together so awesome. i mean thank you well appreciate it yeah um much respect and i would just say uh, i think it's not
1: the last they'll hear of us three (laughs) being together (laughs) i think that's one thing i could say in the in the future that i think there might be think we will we will be together again for sure Uh, that's that's a certainty
0: yeah i have that same feeling
2: yeah
0: awesome well
1: thanks christian thank you thanks thanks guys